0: This is Harlan Chris Michael And Kraloth of Thandor No, you're, you're just Seriously so
1: Paladin of
0: Bahamut Slayer of the Eye Beholder And you're listening to Seven Land Hand
2: It's Seven Land Hand Woo-hoo! Brought to you Australia-wide By Good Games I see trees of green Red Roses too. I built a room In a military platoon And I think to myself What a seven wonders Full world Hey, listener Have you got serious wood and need some conflict porn? Has your neighbour got more scientific might than Neil deGrasse Tyson in Lycra? There's a desert over there without a single gigantic pointy thing. Better get cracking. Much like a teenager in a queue at the bottle shop, you only have three ages to get the job done. And this is Seven Land Hand. Seven Wonders Jewel is a card-drafting repos game first published in 2015. It was designed by mathematical madmen Antoine Bowser and Bruno Cathala. Seven Wonders Jewel is a neat rebuild of Antoine's 2010 classic Seven Wonders. Over three ages, each player is tasked with building a mighty civilization that can fend off military threats, show off its scientific prowess, and even find time to build some really showy wonders to impress the chicks. I mean, gods. Probably. Seven Wonders Jewel is a game for two players, and three colossal ages fit tidily into 30 minutes. Golden Geek nominated it for a clay pit full of awards, including Best Two-Player Board Game, Best Strategy Board Game, and Best Game of the Year. The game's elevator pitch reads as follows. Develop your science and your army, construct prestigious buildings, and lead your civilization to victory. Seven Wonders Jewel is a complete game set in the world of Seven Wonders, created specifically for two players. Uh, One disclaimer before we proceed. Bruno Cathala is not a madman. However, he once said... I see skies of blue and clouds of white, the bright blessed day, the dark sacred night. And then he thought to himself, what a seven wonders jewel world. Good times. (laughs) Bruno is joining us late in this episode to correct us on everything that we've got wrong. Um, So, for the record. uh, um, (laughs) No record. Or for no record, yeah. But what does it all mean to gamers? Skateboarding down the side of the Great Pyramid of Giza. I've got Matt, you say Artemis, I say artemai Mikhail. They're erecting
3: statues in my likeness right this minute.
2: Jolly good, we look forward to that. And Jamie, hanging Gardens of Babylon 5, Lawrence. I built all the pyramids. (laughs) Well, you are the alien we've been waiting for. Hey, welcome, (laughs) Ancient Wonders. What wonderful geeky things have you been up to?
3: I'm going to jump in first. Go. Because I've got exciting, something exciting. Yeah. I finished the Zombies Run couch to 5K. Oh, (laughs) that's the app (laughs) on your phone. Yeah, yeah. I finally finished it. Yeah, yeah. Um, And I can now proudly say I can run five kilometers only stopping three or four times during that five kilometers. Is that...
2: uh, Running away
3: from imaginary zombies the whole way.
2: How... Do we imagine what five kilometers looks like? It's well, difficult, isn't it? <laughs> it could mean nothing. It could be just oh, like no. a jog you know from one end of coals to the other. It's but like it, from the, from the the chocolate aisle over to the uh, soft drinks, something like that. Well, you Is imagine
3: You imagine yourself taking one step, and if you take a one meter step and repeat that. 5,000 times.
2: Oh, you're going to be literal about it. Okay, right. <laughs> cool. Well, well, good for you. No, no, I feel
3: very <laughs> happy. I've progressed now, if you like. I've, I've moved on to the actual uh, narrative app. All right. So uh, I'm, I've just started the storyline. So
2: so people at home can get this app on... Yep. Uh, like it's a free download, isn't it? You, I got it, but you have to turn it on before you do your exercise. It's not like something that sits there. No, that's right. You've got to turn
3: it on. You've got to choose your mission. And I've been doing uh, supply runs and... and uh, the odd mission at the moment. Uh, I just need to wait five days so I can download the next one for free. But, uh,
2: <laughs> so I, it sort of works off uh, your GPS is in your phone, but uh, it just puts a bit of a story to it. Is yeah, that nice? yeah,
3: yeah, that's cool. I went uh, this morning. I, I got at five o'clock when before the the sun. This is this is morning.
2: Cruises, all crazy talk. No one's going to do this. <laughs> What's five o'clock? Oh, no. oh. I thought they got rid of that in, in the seventies somewhere. There was there's no been hasn't been a five o'clock no, since I, I at least seventy eight.
3: I found it in my slipper. But um, the whole thing, get up 5 o'clock, uh, begrudgingly, of course, turn on the app, look for something to run against, and then just pretend you're running away from zombies for the next 25, 30 minutes.
2: I like the, uh, the, the long stick and the bag of chisels that his wife strapped to, the, <laughs> to his forehead to make him permanently chase after it. That's the only way you can get a geek to run 5 kilometers. Uh, uh, otherwise, this, I don't think this is weak and Geek stuff, Matt. Jamie, can you bring us back into a world of reality?
0: Yeah, all I, all I heard so, then was zombie
2: something
3: something. Says something. the guy who spends time at the gym, not <laughs> running away from zombies. I didn't bring that up.
0: <laughs> from uh, from someone with a from someone with a genuine achievement to um, someone with a really really nerdy one.
2: Yeah, that's uh, all we're here my for. My
0: son came to me this week, and he said, he one of the kids at school." It's got magic cards. Can you teach me how to play?
2: <laughs> Have you heard of this And study? I
0: was like, boy, can I teach you how to play, kid? <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: can I?
0: <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I, I sat him down and we got a couple of uh, just the, the half decks the Wizards gives away and oh yeah, ran through it. And he picked it up pretty naturally because he's played a few other games with me before and, you know, knows how gaming works.
2: Those, those boxes are so sweet, aren't they? Those like freebies that come out with the... Are they still doing it? Because um, it used to come out around the core set, didn't it? Yeah, that's
0: right. I don't know if they're doing new ones this year. I imagine they still will because, you know, marketing is good, right?
2: Yeah, and they're great. <laughs> but, little... um,
0: yeah, the, I've got just some left over from last year and they were great.
2: The other thing we've done, not to get away from the story, but uh, the other thing we've, uh, I've seen people do is get the intro packs. But sometimes, like if the uh, the rare card's a little bit complex, um, then they just you can you can switch it out, you know, for a less complex card. Kit mechanics reasonably simple.
0: Yeah, well, the, these two decks had pretty straightforward big big creatures, um, and uh, and he beat me his first game, which, he, which was really okay. good. That's and, how you're uh, supposed and, to do it. <laughs> and then we sat down and, and so I said to him, right, here's a bunch of cards that I've just pulled out of my collection, you know, build something. I gave him a bunch of, you know, a good mix of, you know, commons and uncommons and a couple of rares yeah. just to, you know, let him a go at it. And he's put together a green and black deck and uh, his mother asked why those colors. And he said, because it's all about life and death and that's everything.
2: Bloody hell. That's <laughs> a very profound answer.
0: Oh yeah, fantastic stuff. I'm really like it's it's been really amazing watching him go on that journey.
2: Yeah.
0: At age 8, you know.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Did you, did you tell him about bread?
0: Yeah, well we we talked about all the colors and he first played blue and I played red and uh, and thankfully he didn't like blue, which is a wonderful thing.
2: <laughs> oh.
3: <laughs> it means what you've already got you've always got some sort of edge over him, is that right?
0: No, no, it means that he's not a cheat. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's pretty sacrilegious talk. You know, I think so far on the podcast we've been very pro blue white. It's very strong. You get uh, Aaron on here, we might we might have to have you two uh, go head to head in an argument. Oh, about so it. what you're saying
0: is that Aaron doesn't actually like to play magic, he likes to sit there and play his own cards while his opponent does nothing. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that yeah. I think yeah, definitely. I think he'd love that. <laughs> Luckily, <laughs> Luckily, this is the board games
3: podcast. Yes. I've been playing uh, some Blood Rage lately, which is going to make you insanely jealous,
2: David, because uh,
3: his is still over there. I can see on the shelf unwrapped.
2: Yeah. Uh, (laughs) I I, I tried it with my family, but that was the first step into don't learn how to play a board game with the family because, you know, about. 20% of the way through learning how to play, they were just going, this is the most boring game ever. And it's like, but we haven't started yet. We're learning how to play. (laughs) And uh, they just, yeah, abandoned it. To them, it's a terrible game now. So I don't don't even get a look in. So I'm looking forward to playing it with you, Matt. It'll be good.
3: It took us three... It actually took us three sessions to get through an age. We played one age uh, per session. Right. And it had quite a learning curve initially because... uh, one of those things that didn't feel all that together intuitive, but um, still, it was very enjoyable. And we, we came it out looked amazing.
2: You know, but, As I was twenty yeah. percent looking forward to the twenty first <laughs> percent of learning, I was thinking, "This this game's going to rock."
0: The miniatures are top quality. The miniatures are the most beautiful things, especially yeah. yeah. the monsters.
2: Look at? Adrian Smith doing yeah. all the artwork there. Great stuff. So yeah,
3: so that was that was what's on my table for the past couple of weeks. That was good
2: fun. Yeah, you know what? I went, uh, it, was, it was long overdue. Um, I went and uh, grabbed Blade Runner. Yeah, Blade Runner from 1980 or 70. You know, early 80s. The director's cut or the uh, it was. Well, if you get it on Blu-ray, it turns out just to be the director's cut anyway. It's, I think they've given the other one the flick on the new releases. Because I was looking for the director's cut. If you're going
0: to tell me this is your first time ever seeing Blade Runner, no, I'm going to
2: no, need no, like no. Five of swearing <laughs> in the air. No, no, absolutely not. But there's a whole bunch of movies from that era that I've gone back and seen, and they've just been terrible. And like Highlander, for example, I loved Highlander, the greatest movie ever, right? And then when you go I back, a bad movie, but yes. <laughs> when you go back, when you go back and see it, the effects are dreadful, and it's the music's all da 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 da, you know, like this sort of stuff. Hang on, wasn't that all Queen music? Oh yeah but the yeah the <laughs> queen music's fantastic there's still some really emotional scenes and it really works as a story but it's um, there's a yes. lot of emotional
0: Sean Connery having his
2: head cut off. Yeah, <laughs> the presentation of it compared to what we're used to now is is really hard to take. So I was worried that Blade Runner was going to suffer from the same thing, and it absolutely doesn't. It stands up, which is amazing, really, because it's uh, it's sci-fi. You know, it's got all of the flying cars things, and
3: but it's that really gritty, dirty sci-fi. Yeah, you know, that noir sort
0: of thing. He
2: which... kept it dark, kept it rainy. Yeah. You know, and... you know
0: what? Lots of science fiction does date well. Like, there, there's a lot that dates badly. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But, when someone has a vision of the future and they put it far enough in the future, it tends to be really great. It's always silly when you look at a movie and go, 2020, the year of the future. You know?
2: But Blade Runner is uh, 2018.
0: I know, I know. Yeah. And Blade Runner is amazing, but Ridley Scott is pretty amazing. But no, you look um, at things like um, The Fifth Element, yeah. you know, like it, it's set 500 years in the future, but it looks phenomenal. Even I today.
2: S- I suppose that's an old movie now, isn't it? I don't think of The Fifth Element as an old movie, but it will be. Uh,
0: 97, I think it came out. <laughs> Man.
2: Yeah. That's just, almost 20 years just now. 20 years? Good old <laughs> Luc Besson. What happened to him? He was cranking them out back in the day, wasn't he? He was oh. a good director. Oh,
0: that was yeah, good I heard a little while ago that uh, Luc Besson's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, um, he did a, a movie a couple of years ago called Taxi, which was sort of a.
2: Was that an a odd,
0: odd couple cop thing. Yeah. which is picked up for a series, and it's on Netflix now. It's quite good.
2: Oh, really? It's a TV series on Netflix?
0: It's a TV series on Netflix based on the movie that he did, which is also on Netflix.
2: Oh, okay. Wait, it's, about me...
0: a, it's about a New York cop who is a terrible driver, so bad that literally <laughs> all the other cops won't go with her as a partner. Um, <laughs> oh. And, uh, and uh, so was that, ends up um, with this taxi what's, driver.
2: What's her name? Is that Queen Latifah? Queen Latifah,
3: yeah. And Jimmy uh, Fallon?
0: I haven't seen the movie yet. I've only seen the series, oh. so I can't see you. I think the movie was Queen Queen. Latifah in the series.
3: I I thought it was Queen Latifah in the movie, and Jimmy Fallon was the taxi driver.
2: I think. Oh, that's what got me out. I just looked too silly, and I thought, (laughs) no, I'm not up for that. I can't imagine that's a Luke Besson movie. My God, (laughs)
0: it's a Luke Besson movie. He's in the credits every day.
2: (laughs) Hey, speaking of movies, have you watched anything lately, David? Oh yeah, I got through Deadpool. I went and saw that, and that is just fantastic. I mean. There is, no, is there is nothing it? wrong with that movie at all. It's so funny and yeah, everything and it's so fourth wall gone, you know. And yeah. the opening sequence is just jaw dropping. I mean, it goes it, and it really uh, it does this opening sequence which is amazing and, and then plays out how that opening sequence comes about. And the credits are hilarious, you know. It's like directed by some you know guy, you know, <laughs> and it's just taking the piss from the moment Absolutely tongue in cheek. And then it. You know what
0: really blew me away about it. It was that? how it actually genuinely was a really nice romantic story. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, it was, wasn't it? There was just like there were, well, yeah. You know, I mean, yeah, Marina Becker and I'm falling in love with her and whatever she's doing. But yeah, it was good how they matched up. Though they had the characters that were doing their own wacky things, but because. Um, because we're on the same page. They, they were perfect for each other. It's like Chris Rock's thing where he said, you know, if you're a, a crack addict and, you're, and your wife's a lawyer or something like that, it's, you're not going to get along. But if you're both crack addicts, it's great. It's good times, you know? But,
0: <laughs> Best thing for me was Russian accent of Colossus. He was fantastic in the movie. <laughs> I loved the way he kept trying to get Deadpool to be a good guy.
2: <laughs> yeah, that was, it was very, very good. Yeah. But, um, you know,
0: like Deadpool is the tip of the iceberg. Next week... Batman vs. Superman. My goodness, so excited. Then, following that, we've just seen the Civil War trailer.
2: Now, I know you're talking.
0: Had a really naff Spider Man, but a really good Ant Man on uh, being shot out of an arrow by Hawkeye. Yeah, Uh, actually. And then uh, today, just today, the X Men Apocalypse trailer dropped as well, and that was just mind blowing.
2: I have not seen that. Yeah. We're about three or four movies in past the point where I thought this is going to get old soon, and it hasn't yet.
0: I mean, I'm a big fan, and I was expecting it to die by
2: now. Yeah, like I was thinking, Ant Man. I thought they're really taking the piss now. They've gone too far. I've never heard of Ant Man. That that's not going to be good. I mean, come on, Ant Man. And Ant Man was great, you know. Ant-Man it was... was so good. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and Deadpool. I mean, he's really no,
3: I... one of the lesser known, well-known superheroes. I'd heard, to be of, I knew Deadpool,
2: you... but I did not know Ant Man. <laughs> but
3: he's not exactly, you know, you wouldn't exactly call it mainstream, I mean, like Ant. man Oh no, he, no, it's you know, he's not the one you think of. When you're you're talking superhero shtick, but um, I think it helps that they've they've gone ahead and, and listed their production schedule for the next you know next yeah. decade.
2: So so they can sell comics for
3: in the 2020 meantime. Twenty
0: twenty with Bubble, I think it
3: is. Yeah. So you've got an idea of what's coming up. So I guess they're generating that hype really early on, and then I think it's having the effect. It's just building rather than you know and snowballing rather than uh, waning. You know. So yeah. Well,
0: you know. You know what though, like David was saying. I expected it to be gone by now, but honestly, it's getting stronger, and it's getting stronger because the fans are just never going away.
2: DC You're will really ruin that, though. <laughs> Jamie, DC's going to ruin that, though. You watch. If, if oh, it, if anyone, don't bury
0: your head in the sand. If DC's anyone, better than Marvel.
2: <laughs> if anyone's going to win out of Batman versus Superman, it's going to be Wonder, Wonder Woman. Woman. That's yep. the <laughs> only character that can come out of this with any cred whatsoever at this stage. That's it's going to be
0: amazing.
2: Are you, are you all on board for Batfleck, then?
0: I'm totally on board for Batfleck. I loved him in Daredevil. And Batman's a better version of Daredevil. No,
2: he was terrible in Daredevil. (laughs) That was the worst. And Jennifer Garner. No, that was so bad.
0: Jennifer Um, Garner should never do anything. No. But, But Ben Affleck's great.
2: I, there was, it was several years ago now. I think it was just at the cusp of the, um, of the superhero movies really starting to gain momentum. I decided that all superhero movies were, were cool and that just, I was just going to go back in time. And my first choice was to buy Daredevil, the movie, and I immediately stopped. I didn't buy any more after that. Like, oh, that's sad. Uh,
3: but look at what's come before. Uh, with Harry Potter, it was... Wizards and all that sort of magic, all that sort of stuff, and that that hung around for the lo- the li- Sorry, the length of the uh, the book series, and then Twilight's there as well with vampires and that sort of thing. I know it's crap, but what we- still it's taken on in multiple years. It's taken you know a generation to get out there basically before the last ones come out. So superheroes because they're sort of all over the place and they're uniting, they they're joining forces, they're uh, you know, overlapping into each other's um, property, I think that's making it stronger than those those uh, what seven a, book series or what I really enjoyed about up.
2: the crossover and a little bit of like the fourth wall going down was Deadpool taking the piss out of Green Hornet. <laughs> Green, the, Lantern? Oh, Green, sorry, Lantern, Green Lantern, sorry, Green Lantern. Yeah. I'm, I'm I'm thinking Brown Hornet with from um, uh,
3: Brown Brown Hornet. Hornet.
2: Yeah, going all yeah. Cosby, <laughs> uh, Cosby yeah so yeah green lantern you know how many times you know like when he was getting dragged off to get his uh mutant powers like stimulated he goes just don't make my uniform green whatever you do and then they make taking the piss out of ryan reynolds saying ryan reynolds saying he's a crap actor but he only made his way because of the way he looked you know just making comments like that you know it's so fantastic
0: yeah it was very very good the way that they just didn't take anything seriously
2: Hey, in the in the last podcast, I uh, said that I'd done my homework and we talked about Daredevil starting on 18th of March back on Netflix, and I've I had some others. Now, I neglected to say that Walking Dead, maybe we'll start with that one, uh, Walking Dead has already started season six as of the 15th of Feb, but I don't give a crap about Walking Dead anymore. I sort of just got ejected out of that. It just seemed like... Days of our lives with zombies in it. And <laughs> and it was pointless. And it just seemed to be like, find a secure compound, uh, have that destroyed, then walk to the next one, have a bit of a problem with the people there, and then adopt that secure compound and so forth. And it was just... Yeah.
0: You know what's... what, like, the zombies was never my thing in the first place, and then to try and put The Walking Dead on top of that, like, it just, I never cared.
2: I'm concerned that it's ruined the comic book series. I reckon if I'd have got oh, the comic book series, no. I would have probably really enjoyed it. Um, i've heard that it 's really good yeah, yeah. I, I bet I bet you it is. I collect the trade
3: paperbacks and uh, so every few months I get a new one and it 's kept me enthralled throughout like every time I, I pick up a new one. Uh, I'm what the hell happened you know they do something that just flips things on its head and I'm more gripped than the TV series I have to why don't say. they put
2: that in the TV series then are they oh, is I it guess the way they've it's... got to
3: have a, a bit of a division and the comic series is so far ahead yeah. that where they are now they're only just starting to get to uh Oh, I think it's last year's, the beginning of last year's story arc, so they're i are quite a deal I constantly behind.
2: find myself saying, what am I hoping for with these characters? Because if it's just that they survive, then I could watch anything. I could watch... Like, I could watch Home and Away, and I go. I wonder if any of them's going to die. You know, it's the same thing. It's like, what am I hoping for? I is there ju-
0: another reason to watch Home and Away?
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. If, it's, if one of them died every week in Home and Away, I'd be. I might be in. I think
3: that happens, doesn't it, these days?
2: I don't know. <laughs> I think screen uh, screen junkies
3: described Walking Dead series as a walking simulator.
2: Yeah, no, that sounds. Because <laughs> that's about... all
3: it is. The, the last. I think 4 and 5 was just
2: full of lots of just walking, walking. scenes. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know more I, than the hobbit. I'm I think. sure I'm you know I don't know it seems like you guys are in agreement. I'm usually wrong because I'm just, just get too grumpy about these things far too soon and uh, yeah, I'm marking this out. Anyway, Game of Thrones season 6, anyone for that? April 25th, that's coming out in showcase.
3: I lost touch.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. I know. I, I honestly like I watched season 1 and it was okay. Yeah. Maybe if there was more there, I'd watch
3: it. But yeah, you know the problem is we're we're forced over here to pay for subscription to to see this stuff, and which is really bugs me because apart from my Netflix, <laughs> I don't like paying for anything to see. What's it. that
2: torrent? That's totally to- Oh sorry, <laughs> oh, sorry. I'm just trying to fit the word torrent in there without being too obvious about it.
3: <laughs> no, since yeah, no, all the all the, uh, all the uh, sites that I visited in the past. But no more have all been. Uh, oh, okay. I, I think. Uh, f- um,
2: what would you call it? Um, shut down. Yeah, but very. Mm. Uh, but, ga- but game of violently mm. shut down. Game of Thrones. It's you know it's uh, it's like it's a political. It's I haven't seen House of Cards, but it strikes me as uh, you know like a political thriller with um, with boobs and dragons occasionally. <laughs> you know, it seems like they're getting the budget to do the dragons a bit more now.
0: You know, when I was growing up. Dune was probably my favourite book. I
2: thought and, you were going to mention this earlier, yeah.
0: Yeah, and when I read Game of Thrones, I was like, this is just Dune in fantasy, in, in fantasy instead of sci-fi. And then I saw the series, and it was like, you've filmed Dune as fantasy instead of sci-fi.
2: Yeah, very political power play, isn't
0: it? Yeah. I think. And, which, and the same which... sense of, you know, building up a, per- a character to say that you really like them, and they're really exciting, and then they die horribly. Really. Yeah.
2: What I what I did, what Game of Thrones has got me for, though, is when I started it, um, you know, Peter Dinklage was there and his character, and my initial response was, oh, I don't think I've got time for this guy. <laughs> and then, <laughs> no, I, I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was the, you know, the smarmy accent English thing or whatever. And, you know, I'm fine with that. But, my God, he's had such, so many good lines. I'm now watching Game of Thrones for that guy. he It's the Peter Dinklage show, you know. It's just, you're just waiting for him to drop some of his you know, absolute class A lines in there. He's, he's got it. you know, he must be so happy when the scripts come out because he gets all the good stuff.
3: I haven't seen it for a while. Is he still the hand of the king?
2: No, no, that's a different... Oh, I don't know.
3: <laughs> was he was
2: he the hand at one
3: stage? Yeah, he was. He was the hand of the king at one stage.
2: Oh, uh, okay.
3: Before his uh, father took over. So we
2: should move on from that. What have I got here? I've what? got uh, oh, Jessica Jones... Uh Season two is on, but there's no date yet, so that's an easy one to get past My favorite out of the lot
0: Penny... uh, but we do have Luke Cage, and yes. uh you bet that Jessica's going to show
2: up there oh Luke Cage is a separate separate um show isn't it yeah that's right yeah with the with the bar owner
0: and that's uh that's in September
2: oh is it it's September this year
0: yep okay, so, so
3: do we know when that's when that's uh chronologically set? Is it before the Jessica Jones story or they, is have, it...
0: they haven't told us anything yet uh-huh. but I can tell you in the comics, um, Jessica and Luke are a couple, and they have a kid. So uh, you know you can expect that. Right. I, I think you can expect to see something between them.
2: Well, Kristen Ritter, you know, she's got a very she's good with scarves. She's good with the black leather jacket, and those jeans are really good. So uh, you know, I can imagine only that Luke Luke Cage is all over that, literally. Yeah. 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 I
0: really make... liked him in the in the show as well. I thought he was a really well cast.
2: He was. He was really good.
0: Straight man, you know, yeah.
2: Hey, my last one on this list is Penny Dreadful season three, May first on Showtime. Now that one—that
0: show looks like so my bag, and I haven't gotten the chance to sit down and watch it ever.
2: It is so good, and yeah. uh, Eva Green, my Eva Green, that feels wrong now. That's right, isn't it, <laughs> Eva Green? Man, she is so good. She does. You've got to see the scene. I'll just say it's the seance scene. I, I think I've talked about it on a previous episode where there's a, a someone who rocks up that claims to be a clairvoyant and starts with the whole smoke and mirrors act and Eva Green's at the table and she just gets full on possessed and just totally just rocks the room and everyone leaves scared to death but my God, the acting performance and everything about her in this entire show is just fantastic. It's, I, I'm... <laughs> I'm tuning into anything that she comes out in it now. You know.
3: How about uh, the performance of the leading man? What's his name? Uh, does anyone remember?
2: Oh, Timothy Dalton. No. Tim Dalton. Oh, no, I'm
3: thinking the young guy.
2: <coughs> the young guy. The werewolf guy.
3: No. Well, is he a werewolf? The, the gunslinger.
2: Yeah. The yank? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Who? Who is that?
2: I don't know. He looks like. I uh, know. Oh, I was going to say he looks like um, Jake off of um, Ice Cream Social. <laughs> Jacob. <laughs>
0: No one's going to know. No one's going to know. I'm I'm sure he... So those are all the shows that we like that are coming back. What ones are you missing that you want more of, but you haven't got a date yet?
3: Oh, Um, I'll try... uh, mm. Well, Uh, I'm wondering when I'm going to sit down and watch the next season of Lost. Oh, shut up. I'm up up. to season four. (laughs) (laughs) Season four. um, Yeah, only another six seasons. I could definitely
0: do with more Luther.
2: Oh, yeah, Luther. They, and they shortened those seasons down. There's only two episodes in the last in the last season, which was just yeah. horrible. I, I watched them and I was like, right, let's see the next lot. And I had to go online to find out that there was only two episodes. He's doing something else, though, Idris Elba. He's, probably,
0: yeah. He is. He's just been cast as the gunslinger in uh, The Dark Tower.
2: There you go, which is going to be just fantastic. Oh, please let that work, right? That's going to be so good.
0: You know what? Anything that Idris Elba is in works.
2: Yeah. It's that's automatic. Right. Yeah, let's backwards engineer it. Who have you got in it? Idris? Brilliant. It's going to be great. <laughs> Put him in Home and Away. There you go. He also, did, uh, he also did that new uh,
0: Macklemore song as well. Um, <laughs> did he? Yeah, yeah. He's, he he's, uh, challenges you to a dance-off.
2: I'm, I'm not a Macklemore <laughs> fan, but I saw that Scooter one at the gym and uh, tuned into that and heard that a few times. That's such a funny
0: video. Yeah, it's fun, isn't it? Yeah, and yeah. So, so the new one has Idris Elba challenging people to dance off.
3: <laughs> yeah, I want to see more information about uh, Preacher.
0: Oh, yeah, so, I, I've heard that yes. that's debuting after the next season premiere of Fear the Walking Dead. I think.
2: Yeah, I'd heard. Well, one of my mates online was like, "Get get onto the Preacher. It's gonna be it's gonna be great. It um, does look great. Yeah."
0: And I'll tell you what. If you like the Walking Dead graphic novels, pick up the preacher ones because they are just phenomenal.
2: Oh, it's a, from a graphic novel as well. Yeah. yeah. Oh man. It was written back it in the nineties. Uh, it's a, Garth was Garth Ennis. Garth Ennis. Garth Ennis yeah. Exactly.
0: It, it's about a a preacher, uh, a, a, a priest, who is given the power by God that anything he says, people have to do. <laughs> right. And and he he sort of morally grapples with, you know, should he ever use this ability, and uh, what's it for, and Goes on sort of a spiritual quest to, to work out why he's been given this and what the meaning is.
2: Hey, Garth Ennis did a, a, the Punisher Max series and a couple of other Punisher um, yeah. Uh, yeah. trade papers that I read that were fantastic. He's
3: got a really, another really gritty, uh, not zombie, but apocalypse sort of thing where virus, uh, everybody's inflicted with a virus called the Crossed, which is a web. Crossed. Si- uh, crossed, yeah. Oh, okay. Which is a web. Uh, Comic, yeah, and full on. It, it's one of the most visceral things I've I've ever seen in ter- in terms of a comic. And uh, sounds like Venice. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. And he's um, they've done numerous series of that on based on the webcomic, and I think you can subscribe to see more of it. But there is a free version up there. whatever they're working on now, it's it's free to watch a weekly. I think weekly or fortnightly episode, and it's just. It, it's horrific. It deals with all those uh, things like rape, torture, um, mutilation. Oh, it's all... like Sound of Music. These are a few of my <laughs> yeah. favorite things. Yeah. You
0: Go know. on, the sales pitch is fantastic, oh. really. It's, um,
3: <laughs> no, it, it's, it's really... It's quite a quite a horrific uh, tale, really, because it's just some of the imagery in there. You think you, there's no way you would see this in any mainstream media source... Uh, it's just way too above it. It's, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's the most, uh, out there thing he's ever done, but it's certainly, you know, in all the things oh. I've read that he's done, it's, it's pretty, pretty out there and I've read preacher, but it goes way, way beyond that.
2: My, my tip, my tips oh. for the moment, uh, continue to be read lock and key from this, there's six hardback trade papers that it's a fantastic thing written by Joe Hill, Stephen King's son and, uh, the art is kind of more line-arty than what I use. It's like, uh, I think it's Gabriel Rodriguez um, did the art. I think that's his name. And uh, it's not usual art that I usually go for, but the story is so good and uh, and the character development and the little funny, weird fiction kind of uh, nuances in it. It's completely great. <laughs> uh, and it's Nameless has just taken a break after six floppy issues. Uh, yeah, the, you know, the columns floppies or sloppies, you know, just the the straight out the first edition stuff. And that's by Grant Morrison, who's written everything forever. Um, oh he's
0: amazing.
2: But, uh, yeah, that, one, that one's kind of lost me, but I haven't um, given up on it. I think I need to go back and reread it. There's a lot of you're under the influence or a dream sequence kind of scenarios, and, yeah, and I, and I got lost. I think I read it when I was a bit tired, so I need to just go over that again.
3: Seems Cthulhu-esque, really, when you think of the
0: dreamlands. It was
2: pitched as Lovecraft in space, so, um, yeah, but they're going to attach Lovecraft to anything, aren't they, to make it sell.
0: Some, well, uh, I'll keep reading
2: it. <laughs> are you reading that, Jamie?
0: I haven't read Nameless yet, but I'm I'm very excited. I love Grant Morrison. Yeah. And, um, um, yeah, frankly, anything Cthulhu, you know, I'll pick it up.
2: And, by the way, if anyone out there has got a, a Lock and Key first issue, first edition, I'm really looking to get one. So, David, uh, lock Dave, and key is David so at dot com. David at sevenlandhand.com. Uh,
0: I'm and, picking up the uh, the oversized hardbacks of, uh, of Lock and Key. Yeah. So beautiful. How many it's have they done? I've
2: only ever seen the the Head Games. Have they done, have they done them all in the big red leather? Uh,
0: they've done the first two. Um, okay. Yeah. So the, the first volume is... Uh, Welcome yeah. to Lovecraft? Sorry?
2: Welcome to Lovecraft and then Head Games.
0: Yeah, the, the first volume is both of those and then the second volume is Trade 3 and 4.
2: Oh, okay. Yeah. Do either of you know uh, V-Wars
3: by um, by Jonathan Mabry? No. no. So it's a vampire comic series which has just been adapted into a board game by rod davio so from risk legacy and uh yeah, yeah. risk and pandemic legacy and i think it's just vampire pandemic but something like that, yeah, but, that um, like that's um that's home. just come out recently but the thing that's got me most excited is uh this war of mine the board game no oh, yeah hitting kickstarter Looks pretty cool. it's hitting kickstarter soon well, yeah. this year. So, well, yeah.
2: you mentioned board games. So, why not, I mean, This is a board game podcast. So, you know, should we uh, break from this? And, why and would we do something like that? Get stuck into some Seven Wonders Jewel, huh? That's
3: yeah, why it. not? Let's oh. do it.
2: Win Seven Wonders Jewels for writing out the next idea in your head. Simply leave a comment on the Facebook page for this show. That's episode 65 at facebook.com forward slash Seven Land Hand. We'll announce last month's winner later in Neats and Twos. Uh, So every month, Good Games are offering our listeners a special offer on the game we review. This month, it's Seven Wonders Jewel. For the next four weeks, and while stocks last, the 2016 Temple of Artemis that is your Good Games store is giving Seven Land Hand listeners 10% off Seven Wonders Jewel. All you have to do is take your resources into your local Good Games store, offer them two bricks, stone, and maybe some wood, along with a password...
0: I know what
2: the password is. You walk up
0: to them and you say, Hello, my name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die.
3: Jamie, that's that's way too
2: long. you you got nothing better, though. That's so classy. How about On Guard? All right, for the next four weeks. On Guard! And that's while stocks last. So, on with the show. All right, welcome back. Here we are with uh, Seven Wonders Jewel, Antoine Bowser and uh, Bruno Cathala, who's up later on in the show. Two of um, the most prolific
3: games designers around at the moment, I think.
2: Games designer royalty. Yeah. Um, All right, so we've got this game which, you know, sounds like Seven Wonders, Seven Wonders Jewel, all that sort of stuff. So what's the basic uh, world that we've jumped into, Jamie? All
0: right, so here's the idea you're a fledgling civilization trying to make your mark on the world, trying to make sure that of all the fledgling civilizations, yours will be the one that lasts forever and people will talk of it long after you are gone. You've yeah. to do that. You've got to build some sort of epic wonder, something that the whole world will look on and be amazed. So, hence, Seven Wonders. There's seven different fledgling civilizations
2: it's and it's very much like that isn't it it's like you like it, it takes place across three ages and those ages start with you messing around in clay pits getting yeah, bricks together and stone and wood. And then it sort of grows into glass or paper and glass and things like that. And you,
0: and you develop economics and science as you go.
2: And a military might. It's, yeah. I and mean, you've, you've got to fend off your opponent mili- with military force and uh, you know, show off your science. And like you said, at the same time, like these ancient civilizations, you're, you're banging out pyramids or massive colossus of roads and things like that. God, oh, I love a good pyramid. Ah, <laughs> oh, don't we all?
3: I like the uh, the uh, the epicness of the game. I mean, it's a small game. Don't get me wrong, but covering three different ages and multiple civilizations makes it feel much broader than it, than it actually is.
2: Yeah, and I think it's really theme heavy. I mean, we'll get into it as we go. The the theme of it. Co- keeps cropping up, you know, again and again, as, as you're playing it, you really get a sense that, Hey, this, this is just like, as if we were, you know, like, uh, for example, you know, not to preempt what we're going to talk about, but, um, as you're, as your head's down and you're working very hard on building your city, you can imagine the tough guys sitting outside of town watching you doing stuff all, but just they're tough and you're not. And they're thinking, I'm going to come in there and yeah. just club these guys over the back of the head and take all that from them. So you need <laughs> to build a military might. Hey, so That's it, right. it might and, not be your main thing to do, but it's something you need to consider.
3: No, it just keeps the other guy
0: in check. Yeah. So uh, just to give everyone a bit of context, the original Seven Wonders came out a few years ago and it is a game for up to seven players... Where you are drafting out from hands of cards, uh, your your civilization in lots of different aspects, like we said, military, science, culture, uh, politics, religion, all those sorts of things. Hmm. Um, this is a two-player version of that. So, so rather than the sort of the mighty big round table of up to seven people, we're just looking at head to head your civilization versus someone else's here.
2: And it's been beautifully refined to do that as well because, uh, like I said to you off-air, Jamie, I, I played Seven Wonders once. I mean, I'm not saying it was the best uh, platform to play it and, you know, like the best uh, night or the best company or whatever, but I played it and I just didn't enjoy it. I was looking for it being over and I didn't want to play it again afterwards. So, you know, when Seven Wonders has come around, you know, as far as, oh, we're playing Seven Wonders, I've sort of, you know, removed myself from the room and not got involved. But in this coming up for the podcast, played it, jumped into it. I loved it straight away. You know, I just got straight involved with this game. I didn't find it as um, whatever. I, f- I couldn't put my finger on what I found repulsive or like you know disengaging about Seven Wonders. But this doesn't have it. I was I was on board with this. I,
3: I agree with you in part because I found some of the Seven uh, Seven Wonders mechanics, like the the drafting system. Uh, when you're drafting with seven up to seven players, it really does. Drag on, yeah. I think, and I think it, it lasted longer than really it needed to. And then you're only constructing one, uh, I think this is right, you're only constructing one wonder. Um, and that's the, right,
0: one wonder, which is divided into three parts in the original game, yeah. Yeah, but this one you're creating several wonders,
2: and you're kind of blind to what other people are, are, are taking, or you're not directly influencing other people. This, you're sitting. Across the table, yeah. eye to eye, and someone can stitch you up right there. Like they can hate draft cards from in front of you because they know that you want them, and it's it's immediate. There's an immediate thing there, which is which is great fun. I mean, that's the fun. I, I enjoyed that part of it.
0: So I okay, so I'm getting the sense that you guys like the game. Yeah, I want to <laughs> point out a couple of things before we get into it. The first is that the original one is is very much a really really Euro game, which means the just for, for anyone who's not aware of the term, it basically means that it doesn't worry so much about its theme. It's about having mechanical interaction and being able to build your own thing without other people coming in and, and really destroying your stuff Right. Yeah. too much. Uh, the other thing is that Bruno Cathala uh, is responsible for some of the best two-player games that have ever been created. Uh, my favorite game, in fact, Mr. Jack, is uh, a two-player game where... where uh, one player is Jack the Ripper trying to escape from uh, from the streets of London, while the other is the detective trying to track him down. Yeah. It's a brilliant game. Absolutely amazing if you ever get the chance to play it. They're, I think, re-releasing it this year as a 10th anniversary edition or something.
3: But I think there's a pocket version of that as well.
0: There is. It's a different game, the pocket version. But the original one, brilliant.
2: That's
0: so, what we're looking at here is we're combining that two-player beautiful understanding that that bruno has of two-player games and the way they work yeah uh with that seven wonders sensibility of you know let's build something epic uh and he's managed to take that that drafting mechanic and still keep it central to the game but make it so much more interesting in this one um so tell us about tell us about what it actually looks like so that people can visualize
3: yeah let's get into that so it's quite a small box, which is, uh, I think is definitely proportionate in towards the, the, the size and the theme of the game, being uh, against two two rival players. Uh, so all the cards are smaller. So they're those... Um, what would you call it? What's that size? Uh, that, they're the mini-Euros. The mini-Euros, yeah. mini that's it. And then there's also your Wonders, which are
2: about twice the size of the, the about smaller a plain, cards. About a plain card size. Yeah, about like but
3: even slightly parcel. larger. Yeah. Yeah. There's the... Uh, the uh, combat track, or the uh, sorry, the um, what do you call it? I've just had a blank. Well, um, I, here,
2: I, I was I'm always I distracted because the the, the <laughs> red shield and sword thing in the middle is called the conflict porn. The conflict porn, which we had yeah. much fun with. <laughs> yeah, I'll let you know, listener, do your own jokes. There, you know where we'd go with it.
3: <laughs> the um. Yes, it's yeah, red so and it stands that's, that's like it's stands out like a It's probably a
2: conflict track, or, and it also has um, uh, areas for what um, scientific, scientific dis- yep. discoveries are there as well.
3: Yep. So the only other components which you're looking out for are the coins, and and that, that pretty much sums up the game. There's no board per se. It's all played out in typical uh, dueling card game fashion out in front of you.
2: And your bog-standard Bruno Cathala pad of uh, a score sheet. You know, you've got a, a score <laughs> yes. pad, which is... Always I don't different.
0: know if I'd be calling anything about this typical or bog-standard, guys. I mean... No, what I was Olympic having a. Oh. It's pretty unique.
2: Yeah, no, no, I was joking about the uh, the score sheet. You know, it's very much like oh, your, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. like your five tribes kind of score sheet. You know, where Matt and I spent uh, like ten minutes going, "What's this top box for?" It turns <laughs> out that's where you put your name. But <laughs> the logo, the logo wasn't very clear about yeah, that. What's this
3: strange thing that looks like an E?
2: <laughs> yeah, well, we don't. We weren't very good at our maths, so it was like, "What does this E mean?" Yeah. Yeah, We're lucky means, there wasn't a It Means a equate or something like that, doesn't it? Work out, add the above. Yeah. I don't know. So the way it's
3: typically set up is, depending on which, oh, you start with age one, and you arrange each of those age cards in like a in, in a, a layout a a pattern. Yeah, yeah a, it's pyramid. a pyramid with each alter, which tier. Uh, alternating between face-up, face-down. So you've got some information and other information is hidden from you. And then each age Progresses is set up a little the bit same. differently. Or it's, the well, board's set up a little bit differently in that case. It's a reverse pyramid for the yeah. second age. And then the third age is this uh, sort of two-tiered diamond. Yeah, and it's like go got up, two tracks on it, yeah, hasn't it, really? path one or path two.
2: And, and you shuffle in three guild cards there as yep. well, which, which make things a little bit, bit different.
3: Yeah. So... At the start of the game, all you're given is the... Uh, uh, there's a drafting situation for the Wonders. So uh, four Wonders are placed out on the board, uh, yep. out in front of you. Each player will draft... one. Well, the first player, player takes drafts one. one. The second player drafts two. And then the third, the, <laughs> the third player... The second player the takes the last. The first player takes the yeah. last card. And then that uh, through...
2: Then and you reverse that for the second lot. Yeah, that's right. So, so you end up with uh, four possible wonders that you can play. But because the game's called Seven Wonders and there are only seven ancient wonders of the world, you only get to play, the only, there's only seven that could be created. You know, that fourth one uh, just gets tossed if you're not the one who made it. And that was something I was thinking of that there seemed to be a leaning towards these wonders uh, going to be really important. And the first few games, you really charge towards, I've got to get all my wonders built. I've got to be the guy that has four and the other person's going to be able to get three.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, that I felt like that was somewhat of an anticlimax. It didn't always, wasn't always the most important thing. Um, but some of these wonders have things like um, when, you, when you build them, they have uh, um, things that allow you to have another go. Yeah. And I so thought that became more important. It's like having another go is, is just like card advantage in, MT, in, in Magic. You know? It was just like, wow, that's really powerful. Yeah, powerful
3: one-shot advantage.
0: For the climax come, the, You said it was anticlimactic, but the climax is every single time you flip over a card... You don't know what you're giving your opponent.
2: Yeah, that, and that's and that and that plays into that um, have another go uh, mechanic as well. Because when you're flipping over cards and you don't have another go, you might veer away from exposing the um, face down cards. But if you get to have another go, you could expose them, and then you've got a greater choice of cards that you might you know you might you might get the card that you want.
3: That's good for setting up tension uh, between. Yeah, uh, it, as it is a duel. and if you're playing Magic, I know they're completely different games, but in that situation where the, you've both got information hidden from your opponent, or in this case, there's actually hidden information in the in the board state. Um, it just it gives does it an generate this tension between the players. You know, you're you're eyeing off something. Your opponents are probably eyeing off something. You're not sure whether they're eyeing the same thing you are, but just in case, you might be lean towards taking it. In case you're denying your opponent some big advantage, you know. So you know what
0: we haven't haven't mentioned yet. That's actually really important. How to win the game? There you go. So, <laughs> so you can score lots of points, as you said. There's a score pad, but there's two other victory paths as well. Which is that you can uh, you can use your military might to literally push your way up the track until you defeat your opponent by being overpowering uh, overpoweringly military. Yeah. Or you can dominate the science scene and uh, pick up... Is it four out of the five tokens you need to win?
2: I think it's six of the seven, isn't it?
0: Six of the seven,
2: sorry. Yeah,
3: yeah We discounted those because uh, they never happened
2: during our No, we our didn't. Games, no. So. It's very <laughs> tricky. Yeah, no, it's definitely something... It's, it's cool because as you're building your uh, city and develop building your wonders and you're totally focused on that and grabbing as many victory points through those mechanics and getting as much money as you can, that sort of stuff... The other player could just be slowly pushing his way towards you with his military, yeah. and that in itself unlocks uh, like a penalty in which you they get more victory points for being closer to you on the vict- on the conflict track, and also you lose money for them getting closer to you yeah. as well. So you've got that's to right. keep looking over and making sure they're not making those sort of advances. And the same with the science, you know, that's the one which can sort of sneak up on you a little bit. Um, one of the best
0: games I've played at this so yeah. far. Um, so I was I was playing against a friend of mine, and I'd been going military the whole way. I was trying to win on military. Yeah, and uh, and I got to the point where there were three military cards available to me. Only, and I needed to get two of them to win the game. So I took one of them. Yeah. The next card underneath it flipped over. It was a science card. He needed to win the game. Uh. <laughs> So otherwise you know, like if I'd had one more turn yeah. I would have been there you know
2: see so you had but, uh, I was going to ask you that whether you had games that are actually resolved either by the signs or the the military stuff because I've I've played both, yeah. I've played 10 12 games of this and I've only um, uh, ever seen a victory through victory points not
0: not you no know you've got a, you've got a gun for it yeah um, quite often I think especially right right at the start of the game if you start going military your opponent won't be too worried about it. If they've got other options. Yeah. Because at the start it looks pretty innocuous. It's you know, you're moving up maybe one, two spaces on the track. Once you get to later in the game where you're turning over the cards, they're moving you over moving you up two or three spaces at a time, you know, it's it's pretty scary stuff.
2: That's it, because everything becomes a a more powerful card later, you know, in age two and age three, the the cards pack more punch, don't
0: they? Oh yeah, absolutely.
3: Uh, especially those guild cards when they come over. Because if you've been working down one particular track, let's say you've been going the, um, the route of, of getting the stone, uh, the stone and the clay resources, the brown and the grey ones, and then you turn over the, the right guild card, then all of a sudden those cards, if you've been collecting them, they're worth a lot more points and money to you later in the game.
0: The other great thing is the way that some of the early cards seem... Not that great in comparison, but they allow you to build later cards for free.
2: Yeah, that, that chaining effect is, is really good, isn't it?
0: That's right. One of, one of the things I think when we've, we've not pushed hard enough in our description here is that it's quite hard to build a lot of these cards. You need to be able to get the resources from your opponent or from your own pool. And in order to get resources from your opponent, you've got to pay him 2 bucks per resource plus one for every type of re- that resource that he's got. So if somebody's got three stone on their side, you've got to pay them $5 every time you want a stone from them.
3: So it's a real, a real multiplier, and, and it can be quite expensive to do it that way. So what I found was, if I was given the option of uh, needing to purchase something off David, then often, if it was above a certain price, then I would say, well, I'd rather burn the card and uh, and turn it in for cash, or um, or if I, if I can turn it into a wonder. So
0: this is one of the other lovely things about the the game is that when you take a card, you don't have to actually buy it and use it for what it is, What it is, you can choose to just discard it for coins or build your wonder with it. So if you know that your opponent is going for science or military, yeah. and you're willing to give up a turn, you can effectively just bury one of his options.
2: Just hate draft it, yeah. That was just what you what you've described there. I don't know if that that's one of the things that we got kind of we what we put down as cheating in the first few games that we played. It in meaning that we we got no that cheating. we got it we got it wrong was the buying of resources and um, we ended up giving money to each other rather than to the bank when um, and and then we had to discover that if somebody else has um, the resource and you don't that just adds as a multiplier so it's two. Plus, however many your opponent has, and that money goes to the bank. Early on, we made the mistake of paying the other person that money. Which... Oh, look,
0: that's not cheating. That's just being really friendly to each other.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was just a mistake. That's
0: a rules variant.
2: But there's, but there are gold cards there that negate that. And and it, when, you, when you look at it thematically, it's set up right. Like they're called the clay pit, or uh, there's a stone one, the stone reserves, I think it's called. Which so just mean and, and that the gold cards allow you to. Buy that resources for one instead, so you, you don't have to do that two, and then the the, the plus whatever the other opponent's got. And those gold cards are really quite quite useful um, in the long game, not necessarily in the short.
0: The clay pit sounds like a good name for a bar.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it does, doesn't it? I wouldn't be surprised if it already is.
0: Probably yeah. in Wales. <laughs>
3: <laughs> quite likely. The um, now the science route is an interesting one because. I, I think it's more difficult to achieve that because you need to have six of the seven symbols. Um, no, sorry, six of the tokens. Six of the seven tokens. Yeah, to, uh, and to there's two win of each. That way. I think.
0: And so to get a token, you have oh. to buy two science buildings with a matching symbol.
3: That's right. So. Which makes it really difficult because what I found is you're turning over one of those. I started collecting each of those symbols. I got to about five of them, but then I, think I there are realized. Three of each. Yeah, I don't so think
0: it's, it's not impossible.
2: Yeah, I don't think it's the tokens that you have to have. It's the it's the cards. It's one with the the science cards have a different logo on them, and mm. if you've got six of the seven different logos, that's the win condition. Getting the it's science of the tokens same. just allows you you get a benefit for that on an ongoing basis because your science yeah, is so that's good. Right.
3: Some of them, and they're all. I like the way that they're all their own individual effect. Uh, So each one of them is can, you know, interfere with or act as a um, a boon for whichever part of the game you've been. If you've been going down the military uh, might strategy, then all of your military red cards are uh, will benefit from extra shields, therefore increasing your military might. The the, it works the same way for uh, collecting your blue cards or your wonder cards, the gold ones. So they cost you fewer resources, two fewer resources in the future. So there's great advantages to be had from taking that route. But you don't necessarily have to be gung ho and go. I'm going to go the science route for the win. You can just delve into the science tokens to get those little bit of those advantages. That can have a lasting impact on the game, and I think that's a very, again, it's very thematic, and I think it really represents well the uh, scientific progress, uh, you know, through yeah. the ages. And I think that that f- keeps feeding back strongly into this this theme of uh, civilization creation. So,
0: and you really do feel like you're building something. That's what I love about this game is that. Like we said before, you know, Euro games have this reputation of not being really deeply thematic. But this one actually manages to capture that sense of I am developing and building and growing and gaining new abilities as I go. And it really does have that thematic element that a lot of games don't.
2: Absolutely. Hey, as, as the guy that always comes back to it, the, I've, I've got to point out you know, that the artwork on this is all really good, really fantastic, really clear. Um, I think there was something in Seven Wonders I was reading where there was some of the cards were a little bit difficult to differentiate between, but you don't get any of that in, in, this, in this set whatsoever. The one concern we had when we opened the pack was that the, the card stock seemed a little light, and a lot of the cards looked like they had a slight bow in them coming straight out of the pack, But we, so we immediately put them into sleeves, uh, which makes them a little snug in the, uh, in the box, but Overall, it's it's just it's a lovely looking looking set.
3: Yeah. I agree. That was that was really that was the only thing that detracted for me was that I thought the cardstock was just that little bit light on.
0: Uh, They're very little cards. What's that? They're very little cards, and often yeah, yeah like cardstock can be quite thin. Yeah, yeah. So I've, I've come across other as well.
3: Yeah, I've come across other games that use that size card that size card. And the cardstock's been a lot thicker, and they've been... Yeah.
2: You're not having to shuffle them a no. lot in the game. You just, no, You just you shuffle that's right. them and set them up. So with, with sleeves on, you're fine. You know, so you're it's not a gonna... very minor thing. Yeah, oh, absolutely.
3: Speaking of the, the, the actual design, the artwork, um, I think it's very typical of Repo's games.
2: Miguel Coimbra yeah. is the artist.
3: Well, I think their games in general, they have this um, sort of vividness and, and uh, this... I think they stand out. So when you, open the, when you look at the, the box cover or you open the rule books, there is a, a, like a standard toward, to their products, which I think is very impressive. Uh, I own um, Terror and Meeple City, which used to be called Rampage, and <laughs> uh, also uh, Ghost Stories. And again, it's that very uh, bright, standout, you know, you, know what, you, you know what to expect. Uh, in the sense that uh, each, each of the components...
2: You can read them clearly. a clear, yeah. uh, are
0: clear in, uh, and concise.
2: The, the, so
0: Sorry. In the original Seven Wonders, there was a bit of uh, controversy when it was published because it had a card called Baths, like, you know, the ancient yeah. baths where, where people would go and wash, and it had, from sort of the back and side, a naked woman.
3: Yeah. And, oh, uh, no.
0: Well it's nothing to us but a lot of the, the conservatives in the states were up in arms really yeah like it was it was getting slammed people were saying they weren't going to play it because it had this this naked woman and couldn't it couldn't be a family game. Wow so edition they reprinted a second edition which which had her wearing something um, and uh, and they offered replacement cards to anyone who wanted them uh, by the internet.
2: Well, it's funny you should bring that up, Jamie, because my second complaint about Seven Wonders Jewel was that there wasn't enough side boob in in the artwork.
0: (laughs) Well, one of the nice things in Seven Wonders Jewel is (laughs) that I noticed that one of the cards is actually... It's the Barb's art They've just cut out part of it. Oh, really? And and Um, reused it. I thought that was great. Yeah. (laughs)
2: All right. So, have have you... um, you So, how how are you playing this at the moment? Is it something that, you know, you can... uh, you know, it sees. I mean, there's not like a tournament sort of thing you can set up, is there, or anything like that. Not
0: really, but you know what? Like, it's off, not often that I get two-player games to the table, but I know that I sell games to a lot of couples in the store. Yeah. And this has been one. This has been one that a lot of couples have walked away with. Um, we've had a demo copy set up for a, well, on and off for a couple of months now. Um, it came out at Christmas time, and, and I loved it straight away, so I set it up. And, yeah, lots of people sit down and give it a go and they take a copy away with them because it is just, it's so addictive.
2: And it's such a nice, easy theme, isn't it? I think it's like anybody can sort of uh, get into it. You don't have yeah. to be, like, you know I was saying, we talk about zombies a lot today. You don't have to be, if you're either a zombies guy or you're not, you know, and that's going to get you into a game or not. This is uh, This is more like historical stuff and, you know, it's all... Seven Wonders at some stage in your life. Everyone's been kind of interested in that stuff, haven't they?
0: That's right. And you've got a military, but it's not, you know, literally sitting there across the table punching someone in the face. So, you know.
2: Yeah. <laughs> uh, it has one
3: of our favourite things, of course, which is the uh, help sheet reference card. Yes. Which has all the icons on there. So Which, mean, which is good because it, I, I really do like that uh, icon-driven cards... That way, all you have to do, you've got a reference card, you look back on that, and after a while, intuitively, you know what those symbols mean. So it makes the gameplay a hell of a lot faster because you're not stopping to read card text all the
2: time. I found the back card, f- Jamie. There's a, <laughs> girl, there's a girl with a kind of... She's got a white toga thing on. It looks like it got wet. I think I can see through it.
0: Yeah, well, she didn't used to have that white toga.
2: Oh, really? <laughs> oh, I see. <laughs> hey.
3: That might be one for the uh, Facebook site.
2: Yeah. yeah, but it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a good fun game. I was thinking we've, a while ago we talked about beach house games, you know, like the, you know, the stuff you throw in a bag last minute because, uh, you know, if you're going to get rained in, if you were the beach-going type of people, but, you know, uh, if you're going to get rained in at the beach house you want a board game to go to, this would fit in your bag quite easy and yeah, this would be easy, good fun, right? I, and 30 minutes mm, to yeah. create three, three ages.
3: Yeah, I, I do agree. You think that it would be that. But if I had a choice, if, if I had, was light on space and I had to choose what I was going to take with me, yeah. I think I would still lean towards Splendor.
2: Yeah, Splendor's good. Yeah, Splendor's great. And that was, yeah, um... It depends
0: on, honestly, like, if I know that there's only two of us, I'd probably go dual uh, over Splendor. Yeah, but
2: Splendor's but... going to get more of your friends in.
0: But, if, yeah, if it's a situation where you've got other people, then obviously two players is limiting.
2: Yeah. I think if if, if I'm travelling
3: going on holiday I'm generally taking if I'm taking more than my family then yes I'll I'll bring the games where uh you can have 3 or more players of however course. if I'm just travelling with my family I tend to leave them at home because my wife's not much of a gamer so uh unfortunately you know the games stay at home and I bring the iPad that way I can uh, play all my favourite games
2: for me on it's that. always like uh, you know love letter Coup... Yeah, yeah. Splendor. This, that. You know, I think you'd, you'd be fine. You, you have hardly packed half your suitcase with that sort of stuff.
3: <laughs> no, they fit in the glove box, all the a lot of the the really good ones that don't take
2: mm. up much space. So what what haven't we said? What's 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 left to be said about uh, Seven Wonders? Well, there Jewel? aren't
3: there aren't any expansions out at the moment.
2: There you go. Yeah, it's brand so, new. Um, yep, new enough. What is it? Some uh, was it November twenty fifteen? It came out. Uh, yeah, I believe so. Yeah. So it's quite new still. Yeah.
0: You know what? There's one guy who does know a fair bit about this game that we should probably ask if we've missed anything.
2: There you go. What's his name? Bruno. Shall well, we Bruno. see if we can get Bruno on the line? <laughs> Call
3: him up and, uh, yeah, um, I think he's over in uh, he's... Well, in Paris.
2: No, no, he's uh, just beneath the Alps, I think. So, not underneath the mountain. <laughs> Under no. the
0: Alps? What? <laughs> At the base of the some Alps. some sort of Cthuloid monster and he <laughs> didn't <laughs> <laughs> tell
2: us? No, he played Small World, went underground and uh, got stuck. Yeah, maybe we can find <laughs> out directly from the man. Let's let's dial him up and see what we can do. Did you get back from a? Did you go out for lunch today or something, Bruno? It seemed like um, the times you gave us allowed for a nice lunch somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you say it's that. It. You say that like that's something that happens every day. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so when you were a kid, uh, who were your heroes, Bruno? I think that my my uh, heroes were
4: uh, sportsmen yeah i was dreaming to to win the tour de france for example
2: oh cycling
4: <laughs> yeah exactly my i i really loved i don't know if you know this this guy but i really loved bernardino at this time yeah i was dreaming to to become the goalkeeper of a french football team for example <laughs> yeah Oh, I was also very uh, impressed by uh, Eric Tabarly. Eric? For sale.
2: Is his Eric Tabarly. Yeah. Is it, it, if,
4: it, was, it, it was a sailor.
2: A sailor?
4: Yeah. He won uh, many times um, uh, a race uh, between England and uh, America in uh, solitaire.
2: Uh, this, I mean, that's probably something we'll touch on later on. It's you know those sort of influences are so diverse to what you know what we're exposed to and what we're what we're used. To. I mean, football is you know it's a it's a world game. You know, I can I can certainly relate to that as well.
4: I know, and but I would I, I could also speak with uh, rugby because uh, I've been uh, a rugby player from fifteen to thirty-five, so I've been playing twenty years and. If I had the chance to have a a shirt uh, of a French
2: team uh, to play for a French team, it would have been an honor, (laughs) but it was not good enough. (laughs) So so is that where, did your heroes stay the same, or have um, have you gravitated towards uh, different things these days?
4: Uh, Now, I think, I'm not sure that I have still heroes. Heroes, it's it's a too big world for me, I think. I don't have heroes. There are some, some people, a lot of people... Which I respect their work, and for example, uh, I like music. So some 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 guitar some guitar players, some singers, or uh, etc. But I won't say heroes.
2: Yeah, it's just respect for them for what they can exactly, do.
4: Exactly. <clears throat> yes.
2: Yeah, I, mean, I I think that's where a lot of people that will be listening to this are from. You know, they'll they'll look to you, and and a lot of them will have gaming ideas, and their jaws will drop. You know, when they're playing your game. Uh, as, as they do when, as ours do when we play just thinking mm-hmm. how did he work that out how did that come together this fits together so perfectly uh, it nope. just seems a stroke of genius
4: no no absolutely not <laughs> it's, no no you, you, you know I think that uh, it's like uh, for, for game design you can make uh, the same thing for writers or for uh, movies or for it's it's 20% of inspiration or talent or skills, for example, yeah. and it's 80, 80% of work.
2: You just gotta so, work it out.
4: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm, quite, I'm really uh, confident that uh, quite each uh, experimented player is able to create his own game. Yeah. I don't say he won't create, he, he will create a lot of different games,
2: but he can do his own game and I'm sure it will work. Yeah. Did you invent games when you were young?
4: No, absolutely not. No? No.
2: Is it, it was is just, a change late in life.
4: No, just, I, uh, just because at this time, I had no idea that uh, the kind of game which uh, excite me, uh, which is exciting me now, uh, just exists. Yeah. When,
0: when did you uh, start when
4: playing young, games, Bruno? Like, like uh, every young uh, guy in, in France... I had the opportunity to play Clue or to play Monopoly or to play uh, Risk. Uh, But yes, it was okay. But uh, it doesn't give me uh, the idea of creating games at this time.
0: When did you start making your own?
4: Uh, Very late, in fact. Uh, I discovered the, the, the modern games when I was... 20 and uh, it was uh, a big surprise to discover all this world of new games and uh, the first game I played was fief I don't know if you, you know this game which has been released again by asynchron uh, recently yeah and uh, I and uh, I discovered uh, this game because of, of a French uh, review. Uh, which was named Jeux et Stratégie which means Games and Strategy
2: Yeah
4: was the title of uh, of this uh, paper and inside there was a a subscription to buy this game and I booked it and I was so impressed and this game was published because the game designer won a contest a a game design contest and I discovered when I was 20 that they were game designers I had no (laughs) idea before and I discovered that there were some contests. And when I was 20, I promised me that one day I would have to create my own game. But I had absolutely no idea what to do at this time. And for years, I was involved in sports because I was playing rugby, like I was saying, with two or three training each week, plus for each match, uh, uh, um, a competition each weekend. I was uh, also working as engineer in material sciences, so which take me took me a, a lot of time. Uh, I get married. I, I I got children, and all this uh, fulfilled my life uh, fully. <laughs> I had no time for 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 creating <laughs> games, but I always kept some time for playing. And uh, I learned a lot of things just playing the other games. And in uh, 99, uh, things changed in my life. That means that uh, I broke my knee. So it was impossible to play rugby uh, again.
2: I was going to say, that's Uh, because you were playing rugby. It's too rough.
4: Yeah. (laughs) And uh, I divorced. So, I was alone at home, and at this time, I decided that it was the right time for me to try to create my own game, and I began at this time. So, I was uh, 33 when I began to work on my first game.
2: Wow. That's amazing, isn't it? Because both of those things, a divorce and a broken knee, you could have easily just uh, felt very bad about, but it's a, a cross. It's a fork in the road in your life and, and it's opened up so many doors for you. Yeah, that's it. You mentioned earlier on about your influence as far as heroes were concerned with rugby and sailing and, and cycling. And I said that they're very different to what we're used to. And I've noticed that art coming out of France and Europe is very dif- different. Do you feel that your games have been influenced, the design of your games have been influenced by... By, you know, what you've been exposed to in your life, your, your culture, your upbringing?
4: For sure. But yeah. uh, how, it's difficult to say because, um, yes, I, I don't know really. If, uh, it's difficult for me to identify clearly where my influence are coming from, yeah. you know? Uh, it's sure that uh, all what happens into your life, uh, if never mind if it's your personal life or if it's movies you are you are uh, watching, or if it's books you are reading, etc all these created uh, a lot of influences, and then you you put them into your games. But uh, it comes like like that, I would say. You say, yeah. It, I never I I never try to to. Uh, For example, it never comes to me to see something and say, oh, I have to do something with that, for example. It comes like that.
2: Little pieces all fit together, perhaps. Yeah.
4: Exactly. But it's clear that we are all influenced uh, by uh, all what happens into the world. And that's the reason why, for example, at the same time, you have a lot of different games, for example, which appear coming from teams which are not connected together, but the game are quite close. Very often you can notice that. Just because people receive the same influences and these influences give them the same ideas.
2: Yeah, that's a good point, that people can interpret what's around them in very different ways.
4: Yeah.
0: So, Bruno, when you start working on a new project, Mm? how do you decide... How much are you going to do? How much is all you? Or at what point do you decide you want to work with someone and maybe this is something you could share? Because uh, like a lot of your games are partnerships, aren't they?
4: Yeah. Um, the first thing about collaboration is that uh, since the beginning, I decided that I had not to stay alone. Uh, if you uh, if you look at writers for example, it's a common thing to say that a writer writes the same book all his life
1: <laughs> uh,
4: the, the stories are quite different seems different but uh, the um, uh, how to say. It? But There's they, they, they always same come feel around sense. the same kind of, of tension, of drama, etc.
1: Yeah.
4: And I, but for a game designer, it's quite the same. So, since the beginning, I thought that uh, if to have a, a chance to refresh my mind, I had to work with other people. That's the first point. Then, how it comes? Uh, sometimes it comes just, it's just a question of friendship. That means that uh, you are discussing with uh, another game designer, which is a friend, and this discussion leads to a common idea, so it's it's fully natural to uh, to work on it together. Okay? Yeah. And in some other situations, never mind who has a starting idea, if it's me or one of my friends, uh, you have a starting idea, and, some, and you say, ah, maybe... It's too big for me, or maybe it's not my, it's not the, the it's a good idea, but maybe I'm not so comfortable to, to do it alone. And you are looking who, uh, for who is the best to go on this way with you. And uh, we are all different, and we have all different competencies. And depending on uh, the game, you will propose to one or one other. That's the reason why, for example, Antoine beaux uh, called me to uh, work with him on uh, Seven Wonders Duel, just because I'm known to have specific skills to balance two-player games.
2: Yeah, it's, that, be, it's like what we were talking about before with influences across culture as well, isn't it? Like uh, having someone else in there can be uh, their own influence in themselves. And it just struck me as well that, you know, Shadow Over Cam- Shadows Over Camelot, one of the, you know, the collaborative games that you're known for, uh, or one of the foremost collaborative games, you know, it's one of the first ones to come out. Uh, yeah. and, and you're the guy that's known for doing collaborations. <laughs> so it seems like a nice, <laughs> yes. a nice crossover there.
0: We've played a lot of Seven Wonders Jewel recently. With this show, we're, we're reviewing it at the moment. And mm-hmm. um, it's it really is a very very good two player game. I, I love some of the balancing and the mechanics in it. The fact that you don't know what's going to flip over next. It's. Um, you're, yeah. I understand entirely what you're saying. That you know your two player games are very balanced. My favorite uh, of your games and probably my favorite game is Mr. Jack. Um, can okay. you tell me a bit about creating that?
4: So the first sparkling idea uh, came from Ludovic Mobla. Uh, we were in a French uh, game convention in Cannes and uh, we had to uh, to share the same room. <laughs>
1: and
4: it was late at night and uh, it was impossible for us to uh, to sleep. And uh, in the middle of the night, <laughs> uh, Ludovic asked me if I would agree to, to work with him uh, on, a, on a new project. And uh, for, before that, we never worked Together before, and I say yes. Why not? Uh, it depends uh, on the idea, and he, he tell me, he told me that uh, his idea was uh, light and darkness, and I answer uh, yes, light and darkness, but for for what? And he answered me, but I don't know. <laughs> I just have the feeling that we could do a game in which. Light and darkness could have could be important to have a, a real impact onto the game. Some a game in which you could do some different things into the light, but not into the darkness. And that was the starting idea. And uh, then we began to brainstorm uh, concerning what kind of story could we tell with that, around that idea. The first. Idea was some to, to work on a vampire game, but uh, very fast uh, we go on on the, the Mister J- of uh, Jack the Ripper story, and that and then we began to try to the mechanism we needed for that, etc., etc. It uh,
0: it's a really really clever approach to the game. I really love it. He Thanks. Struck
2: me as when he was talking about light and dark. Maybe that was because you were sharing a room and he wanted you to just turn the light on. But we, <laughs> we got Mr. We got Mr. Jack out of it. So good, good ending. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Hey, I love, I love the, uh, a lot of the artwork across a lot of your games. And I think, yeah. um, you know, when the game design is pretty much in your court, uh, when a game of yours has been published, was a particular artwork that blew you away uh, and made the game seem bigger and better? You know, it's that collaborative thing again. Uh, you know, it's someone else puts their input into it, and you go, wow, they've just increased my game tenfold. First, The
4: first thing you have to know, but I'm, I'm quite sure you know that, but... Uh the game designer quite never chooses the artist.
2: Yeah. This
4: is the job of the publisher.
2: I feel, that sounds but, terrifying. <laughs>
4: yeah, but, but this is a point which is really, really, really important for me because uh, I'm only working on games I want to play myself and to want to play it uh, after the release I need to have a nice game this is really something important with, for me yeah. and that's the reason why since the beginning uh you know you have uh all publishers have um uh, a, a kind of uh, of style they have different style yeah and I don't say that some are good and not and other one are bad but I can say that, that you have uh, so, um, some styles I like and some styles I don't like. So, if I don't like the, the, the style of a publisher for when he chooses the artist, I just don't propose him my game. Sure, yeah. Just because I, I wouldn't be happy to, to have this game illustrated like that, in fact. So, this is important for me and this is the reason why I'm lucky because uh, I I have always very nice games at the end. <laughs> yeah. but it? The, now it makes uh, I've been publi- I've been uh, published since twelve years, uh, f- fourteen years, sorry, and now I know quite everyone, and now I have a chance that publisher uh, to 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 be able to discuss with publisher, uh, before they choose the artist and during the illustration process. They still have the final cut, for sure. But uh, we discussed together, and this is something really interesting and important for me.
0: So, Bruno, did you have any input into Abyss with uh, Charles Chevalier?
4: Uh, Concerning Abyss, it's uh, my publisher, so Bombix, who chose Xavier Colette, the artist, and uh, I had no input on that, but I was so happy, <laughs> <That's beautiful. laughs> because I think it's probably one of my nicest games, and uh, yes, uh, I, it, I, it was much more better than I could expect.
2: There's a lovely picture of you on Board Game Geek uh, comparing the cover. It looks like you're, you're modeling for the, the cover of Abyss.
0: <laughs> I know this picture. <laughs> yeah. I work a lot with young game designers here in Australia. Um, mm-hmm. What kind of advice would you give to people who are trying to get into the game design industry from, based on your experiences? So,
4: um, maybe three, three advices. Uh, the first is to be patient. That means, uh, testing, testing, testing again, testing again, 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 uh, with different people, not with your friends only. <laughs> yeah. With, yes. And, uh, this is the first thing. Um, the second thing is that you have to make your own design. And when you go, uh, when you playtest your game, you will always have people uh, saying you a lot of different things, and you have to sort what you have to absolutely take in, into consideration, and what you have to just forbid. Because uh, if you are in, if you are facing a problem, yes, you have to find a solution. But very often you have people who, who just want to put something on themselves into the game, not because it's not good, but because they just want to be fight, to be just a little different because uh, they have their own idea into the game. So these things you have to forget them. You have <laughs> yeah. to do your own game. And um, you have to take a lot of care with writing the rules. Uh, this is so important. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, one of the best way is to give them to someone who has absolutely no idea of your game, which has not play tested it, and to uh, see if he is able to uh, play it without you, without any question. This is important.
1: Yeah.
4: And maybe the last thing, which is common for a young designer, it, it maybe it was my case at, at first, is when you create your first game, you want to be you want to prove something to all of the, the world. You want to feel unique. And very often, in, the, in your first games, you have two or three different games inside. So you have to identify what, what is absolutely necessary to do one game and to focus on that, not to make something too much complicated. This would be my advice, I think. Yeah,
2: they they say that in writing about quite often that uh, an, an early novel will be overstuffed because you have too many ideas and you try to jam them all into into one storyline where something more simple is is more has better quality to it. Yeah, I've, 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 in reading uh, some of your other interviews and things, I've heard you talk about uh, society's need for immediate satisfaction in gameplay. Yeah. Um, and that there's little subtlety. We get it in all sorts of art, don't we? A little subtlety in uh, in music or uh, in in movies. Now it can't be overly subtle. You've got to hit them over the head and win the audience over immediately. And you've mentioned that this is happens in in game design as well. How do you, how do you factor that into your original design? Is that the same as what you're talking about? Just trimming it trimming it back.
4: So yes. Uh, uh I noticed that, that uh, now uh, people want to understand all immediately. They don't want to make any uh, effort. I, I don't know if effort is a good, good word.
1: Yeah.
4: yeah. Uh, and it's, it's really uh, difficult to find this balance, to have a game which keeps some um, replayability, Mm. and that you understand what to do immediately at the first game, you see? yeah. And, and that's what I try to do. I, I'm i not sure to be successful each time, but uh, this is one thing I take in consideration each time I'm working on a game. So to keep him fresh uh, when you play it again and again, and uh, to give enough information for the first Uh, for the first game, for the first experience. Because, you know, now people uh, are facing a lot of new games. And if after their first play, um, they have not the good feeling, they won't give it a second chance.
2: Sorry, Bruno, I was just thinking you you were were right earlier as well. And there's there's a middle ground, isn't there? Because also if you play a game once and you feel like you've gotten everything out of it, then you're not likely yeah. to go back to it either. So it's, it's impossible. <laughs> Please, everyone.
4: It's, I, I'm, I'm not sure it's impossible, but it's, it's, a, it's a real problem. It's, it's hard to find the good balance with that. Uh, one of the things I'm doing to, to try to create that, uh, that thing is to, uh, to work on the setup. And uh, when I have a chance to be able to design a game in which the setup is different each time, that means that you will have to adapt yourself uh, each time, and this is a way to give some replayability to the game. So see?
2: we see that in Five Tribes with the, the exactly. layout. Yeah.
4: yes. It's not always possible, but when you can do that, it's a, it's a way to, to do it. Mm. Uh, then sometimes, if I think that uh, you have something very interesting into the game, but that people could... Uh, not see during the first game, uh, I can also add some specific comments into the rules just to focus attention of important things that you could not see immediately. Yeah. Some guidelines, in fact.
2: We get that a lot, with um, again, with uh, Five Tribes and jewels yeah. where you have to, you can very much play your own game but then taking it to the next level is when you play with your head up and start watching what the other person wants and needs and start messing with their game. And I think that yep. takes it to another level as well, doesn't it? Of replayability. Yeah. Yeah. Are expansions useful for, um, adding that subtlety back in? If you've taken them out earlier on in the design and you want to slip them back in this, if someone's already invested in your game and then you can give them something else, something deeper, is that, yep. uh-
4: Yes, I like to have the opportunity to work on expansions, not because uh, I need to add subtleties, but uh, just because uh, I love so much these games that I want to, to refresh them for me <laughs> because I'm still playing them again and again. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. it's, no, it's true, it's quite a selfish attitude, but uh, my, my first client is, is myself.
2: Well, you've got to be proud of your own game, don't you? You've got to want to feel like you want yes, to play. I,
4: I really like to play them.
2: Yeah.
4: Uh, and, uh, <laughs> but what we have to know is that uh, the, all the expansion I've made have nothing. have never been something I uh, had in in the base in the former design. Yeah, it's something which came later. Always. Because I, in my opinion, when you uh, put a game onto the, uh, on the market, he has to be complete. You don't have to need something more.
2: Yeah, it's, it's, what, it's, it's the best it's of I, that game. I,
4: yeah, it's 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 what I try to do. But then, when you play it again and again, when you have played it one hundred, two hundred, three hundred times, yes, you want something new. But it's it's not necessary to have it. Very true, and then and then I'm playing on that things that I could add, but it's just dedicated to players who have themselves played a lot of games.
0: So Bruno, I own a store, and I get to to demonstrate games quite often, and I find <laughs> a lot of a lot of people initially they look at all the pieces and components in in some of your games and are a little bit intimidated, but as soon as they play and they understand all the tension and the secrecy inside the game, they start to fall in love with it very quickly. Um, how, do you, how do you balance that tension with not intimidating new players, do you think?
4: Uh, maybe this kind of balance that uh, is in my games comes also the, from the same experience as you. That means that uh, I've been working. I sorry, I worked on a game shop as seller uh, for a few years. Ah, excellent! Yeah, just because uh, when I decided to become full game fan uh, to 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 get all my incomes from from game designing, I noticed that it was not so easy, and I needed to to do something else. And for uh, five or six years, I've been working on. On a, on a shop as a as a seller, and this changing, this has changed my 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 design. Because I noticed all things that I, which could seem so easy for me, <laughs> could seem so difficult for a lot of people. What was the shop? And, yeah, uh, when we, I was we... teaching games, I knew very well in the shop. I noticed that uh, for a lot of people, learning a rule is something not so easy. And now I try, I try, I don't don't say I succeed, but I try to to keep the rules the simplest as possible, but keeping a lot of different things you can do with that.
0: I think you succeed pretty well. What, What was the name of the shop
4: that you worked in? The, the shop was named Ludo Cortex. Did you did you enjoy it? One, uh, sorry, did
0: did you have fun?
4: Yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure, Impressive. it was it was very uh, it was very pleasant to be there. And what was fun is that uh, a lot of people which were coming into the shop didn't know that I was game designer. <laughs> really, it was really interesting to 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 uh, listen to their comments.
0: <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah. Mainly when it was dedicated to my games. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's really actually fun. really interesting.
0: That's... I've seen that you jump onto BoardGameGeek and answer people's questions sometimes about rules in games and how things are played. Um, do you find that being able to interact with people like that about your games influences your decisions in future games?
4: Yeah. I, first, I think that uh, going each day in, this kind, in these forums like Board Game Geek or in France you have also uh, Trick Track, etc. is part of my job. Uh, I spent, I would say, one hour each day uh, just to see if I need to, uh, to answer some specific questions or if I need to, uh, to explain some things, etc. I think it's part of my job. And I like to do that because uh, for me, uh, the board game industry is more a family than an industry. And uh, before being a game designer, I'm a gamer. And I belong to this community, and be able to share my passion uh, for games uh, is part of, of my job. And then, yes, I'm, I listen to, uh, I, I read very carefully the, the comments, and sometimes, it can lead me to make some corrections or some, uh, or yes, to avoid some mistakes maybe in in the next games, etc. For example, uh, it's a scoop for you. <laughs> <laughs> That's
2: good. Uh, <laughs> we, have, we have worked with Charles Chevalier on a second expansion for Abyss. Oh wow! Oh wow! Yeah. yeah. And uh, it's finished and the publisher
4: has uh, gave us a contract uh, 4 weeks ago and uh, this expansion uh, has been designed just because of a lot of comments on internet you may uh, a lot of uh, a part of the gamer uh, are pointing that the weakest parts uh, in Abyss is uh, the monsters. Um, how to say? It's uh, how to, how you deal with monsters, okay? Yeah. Yeah. So we made something completely different with that, and this will be the second expansion.
0: Ah, that's very exciting! I really like Abyss.
4: It's a new module which replaces uh, the the monsters. Uh, Uh, Yes, it's new monsters, but it's much more thematic. Uh, You are not uh, uh, maybe uh, fighting will be not so easy, etc., (laughs) etc.
0: Is it only monsters, or are there some new lords in there as well?
4: No, it's uh, it's it's really dedicated to uh, to the monsters, and you have also new lords. You have new locations, etc. But uh, the main the main thing is monsters. And it will add a fifth player.
0: Ah, oh, I look forward to playing it so much. That's wonderful. <laughs> Bruno, I've heard people say, "Is it true you play test games entirely in your head?"
4: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's true. So uh, does that mean that you? I, I'm, but uh, <laughs> it comes from my former job. I was working in material sciences, and uh, I was an engineer, and I, had, I was working in uh, research and development, and all the experiences were so ex- so expensive that I was trained to imagine all was possible to imagine before spending money to things that you could <laughs> knew in fact. <laughs> and, and I do exactly the same with board games. Uh, when I have an idea, before uh, printing the first uh, things I need to play test it, I do a lot of simulation virtually in my head, and until uh, you know, this way I can avoid a lot of bugs. In fact. So. As long, as long as I am able to imagine a situation which is not so interesting, I don't begin to make any prototype. That's
0: that's really good.
4: Do you try but, to play but, as and, different and, players? You need to play test it. Really, uh, it's not. A, I never done a, a game which has not been play tested f- 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 in 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 the real reality. <laughs>
0: So you, you try out all the different strategies against each other, or just see that they function, or like how do you actually do it?
4: Uh, I sit, well, I'm, I, and uh, I imagine uh, the behavior of different kind of player in front of rules.
0: That's, yeah, I, that sounds I, really I, amazing. I try I
4: imagine it. how it works, and then. Uh, if if it seems to be okay, okay. So I I try to 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 I begin to work. But as as long as I can imagine a player making something which breaks the game, that means that I need to find a solution for that.
2: Mm. Yeah, you got to imagine the worst case scenario that could possibly happen and, and either prevent it or have a failsafe for it, haven't you?
4: Ex- exactly, that's it. Huh? Yeah.
2: So you said there's extra it, stuff coming out for Abyss. Is, is there a time, how long will it take you to get that, to get that done and when will that probably hit the shelves?
4: Uh, oh, no idea because uh, for, for Charles Chevalier and me, the work is finished. Yeah. But uh, now uh, you go on the publisher's process and uh, <laughs> the, the artist who make, uh, who make Abyss uh, is really busy Is not working very fast, so I have no idea of a schedule yet.
2: So, what's on your schedule then for now? Is it open? Uh,
4: In the next next, uh, month, until the end of the year, I will have some new games. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) secret Uh, projects? No, I I can't say that. Uh, I have some small games, uh, like for example, I will have a game which will be named Crazy Misty Greek. (laughs) <laughs> which is a, a small card game uh, um, dedicated to children and families. It's based on a, um, on a traditional card game, uh, which is in French, Pouilleux uh, or mystery. In, uh, in In Germany, they, uh, they call that Schwarzer uh, Peter. I don't know the, the name for the English uh,
2: yeah, Very it. yeah. It's it's something, so it's based on like a, a 52 card yeah. regular deck game. Yeah,
4: I will have also uh, another game. Uh, so uh, cra- sorry, Crazy Mystery will be published by Cocktail Games.
2: Yep.
4: Uh, one other game which which will be named Pocket Madness.
0: Yeah.
4: It's based on the Cthulhu ma- uh, story. Ah, uh, cool. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it will be published by Funforge. I will have a uh, pure dice game, which will be named Dice Stars, which will be published by Matagot. Well, what I are you thinking about uh, Matagot? Matago? Yeah. It's how the same Van uh, as uh, Cyclades.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, how do you pronounce Cyclades? In French, I I would say Cyclade.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Cyclade, no
0: S. Yeah, because I've had yeah. I've had Greek friends tell me it's Kekladis with with
4: hard K. Yeah, in, in German. <laughs> 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 uh, All right. I will have another game which will be named Kanagawa. Which will be published by uh, Yellow, and this game, in which in this game you are uh, Japanese painters and you are painting some landscape. That sounds fun. I hope. They're <laughs> <been> very busy. <laughs> um, yeah, and I have two expansion, two small expansions coming this year. One for Dice Town, which will be named Cowboys, and the other one for Cyclad, which will be named Monuments. Oh wow! And I think that's that's all for this year. <clears throat> mm. That's so a Bruno... lot to
2: fit in, isn't it? That's a lot. Are you good at your games, Bruno? <laughs> S- sorry. Are you good at your games? You know, when your friends yeah. sit down to play your games, are they like, "I'm never going to beat Bruno at this. This is <laughs> I've already lost." Uh,
4: no, you, 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 you can beat me for sure. But yes, <laughs> yes, I'm good. <would. laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not the best. Because, you know, uh, creating a game doesn't mean that you are, you are the one which will master it yeah. at the best level. Uh, for example, I'm very good to play Mr. Jack, but there
0: are some, some players which are so good that I have quite no chance against them. <laughs> <laughs> it's such but, a great uh, game.
4: Yes. And for next year, I will have one big box published by Bombix in the same size of Abyss and uh, one over one by Days of Wonder. Wow. In the same, uh, Dedicated to the same kind of player who loved uh, Five Tribes. Ah, excellent.
0: Bruno, you said before that you were working on, uh, on a game for families and children. Uh, yeah. and I know you've done The Little Prince previously as well. Do you, do you find that you've got more ideas specifically for children?
4: No, that's one of my problems. I <laughs> I would like, frankly speaking, I would be really happy to have the opportunity to, to create more games dedicated to young uh, children. But because uh, because it's interesting, because there is also a, a, a big market for that, but I think that my head is too much complicated. <laughs> and... Uh, as far as I'm, I, I'm only able to work on games I want to play myself. It's difficult for me to imagine something which is exciting for me, but which be interesting for a, a freer child, for example.
2: Mm. Okay, I've got to say, Bruno. The um, uh, earlier last year, um, we we uh, reviewed Five Tribes. And um, it was one of the ones that when we started, it, was, it ended up being my favorite game of the year. Um, but it was one of those that it completely took me from, I wasn't expecting a lot from it. I had, you know, I was seeing the little the cards and the meeples and I was thinking, I don't think this is a game for me going into it. And it absolutely won me over. Uh, it was a fantastic turnaround. So you say the new game that you've got coming out will appeal to people that are a Five Tribes fans is I I find myself among them now. Where twelve months ago I'd have thought that was never me.
4: Okay, I just I just hope that people will will like this one as much as Five Five because Five Five, you know, is probably what one of my best success and it's really uh, it makes me happy because uh, this game was was uh, born because of frustration. <laughs> uh, what was the frustration so for, for, for Five pipes, How it came in, in, how came the idea? It's, it's, sorry, I don't I don't understand the question. Yeah, you, you, yeah, mentioned right, right. A, you
2: mentioned that you mentioned there was a frustration uh, that Five Chubs yeah. was born out of. What what what, what yes. was that frustration?
4: Okay, uh, just because uh, at this time when I before working on that game. Uh, I had really difficulties to get uh, to get money enough with my design and the work I, I was making, and that's the reason why I accepted to work as developer for some uh, some uh, publishers companies. I new have games into the market in which you won't see my name, but I worked on them very hard. Yeah. But I've been paid for that. It's okay. I, I won't complain. It was a chance for me to, to, to do that. But when you are working on big games uh, for the others, you have not the time to work on big games for yours. And that's the reason why for yours I make small games for me. And during that time, I was working on bigger games for, for the others. And this led to some frustration into into me. for, for me. And then I decided that now I had to stop all that and to do my my
2: big game, and this led to five tribes. Yeah, it's all it was a combination of a lot of um, unexpressed creativity that resulted yeah. in five tribes. Then,
4: and the other thing which makes me really happy with the success of this game is that uh, uh, during that time, <laughs> that just before that, I have I had some. Relationship problems with my son, just because it was an adolescent, etc., etc. Yeah. And uh, the reconciliation came around the prototype of Five pipes and since that time, he became my
2: first playtester, and he's very, very good. That's <laughs> <laughs> no, lovely. What a great way to get yeah. back in touch, huh? you know, getting back involved in your games.
0: Yeah, Bruno, thank you so much for coming and talking, talking to us. It's such an honour. I love your games. I've always loved your games. And it's, it's really just wonderful to talk to you and hear the stories behind them.
4: Thank you very much. Uh, it has been a pleasure for me. I hope that uh, my English was good enough. But, uh, <laughs> but I know I have to make some, some, some progress with that.
0: <laughs> ah, you did wonderfully. I think we were bad. Yeah,
2: <laughs> I think our listeners will get a lot out of it, Bruno. It's, it's a real pleasure to hear, you know, someone with your experience uh, talk about the process of game design. Um, and, and coming into this, we were thinking how um, exotic it sounds to live in uh, Geneva and be able to see the Alps every day, we imagine. and then, <laughs> But then the other day I was watching the football, the English Premier League, and I saw advertising banners saying, now flying to Perth, Australia. And how I imagined how exotic that might look and how not exotic I felt being in Perth, Australia <laughs> so I thought maybe when Bruno's talking to us today he'll think wow I'm talking to someone in Australia that sounds exotic
4: Ah, <laughs> uh, Australia is one. I would really like to come one day
2: well that's we why we were wondering whether you'd been to any cons or anything like that in Australia but obviously not you hadn't hadn't been there yet no not yet
4: it's, it's far it's expensive for us
2: oh yeah and it's a long way too it's uh, yeah, yeah.
4: But uh, yes, it, it's one of a country which makes me dreaming.
2: All right then, I'll, shall we say goodbye? Goodbye. Okay. <laughs> See you later, Have Bruno. Ciao ciao.
3: Hey there, are you ready to play Matt's quiz? As always, I'm ready. <laughs> Super pumped tonight. It's the Seven Wonders Jewel quiz, a quiz so loosely based on the card game Seven Wonders Jewel that you'll wonder whether or not this quiz is. The Ultimate Jewel of the Minds.
2: So loosely based on a duel, tr- there were three people involved. Correct. Okay.
0: Jill, <laughs> think we'll, uh, we'll find it challenging? Jill, <laughs> Jewel think. If, yeah,
2: yeah, oh, damn it, I, yeah. I, was, I didn't come at anything witty. High five, Jamie. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's a long high five from Sydney over to Perth. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
3: Speaking of long high fives, it's five questions and total of seven points. Seven points yeah. being my thing.
2: And it's a wonder how he gets there, but he
3: does. <laughs> right. It's
0: seven wonders how he gets there. Yeah, it is.
3: <laughs> question one. Which of the following games does not fit?
2: Okay. Okay. This is based Sh- on Matt's thinking, Jamie, so you know.
0: <laughs> it, we <laughs> could always. be in trouble, David. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a
2: subjective thing question already, isn't it? You know? Okay, go.
3: Well, Shadows
2: over Camelot.
3: Mr. Jack. Dice Town and Five Tribes. Which one does not fit? Obviously they've all got one thing in common and that's uh, Bruno Cathala. Oh. But what's the difference? What's the one thing that one of them doesn't? See have in it's
2: already gone a bit weird, hasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Alright.
3: So, what's, which of the following does not fit? Shadows it's, over Camelot, Mister Jack, Dice Town, or Five Trials? Shadows
2: over Camelot. Obviously, cause it's got three words in the title. There you go, cha-ching. That's my <laughs> that's my rationale.
3: I guess I have to be flexible with the uh, marking key on this one. Yeah. <laughs> Question two. There are seven new wonders of the modern world. Oh, shit! I
2: knew it was going to be something. Name
3: there. any two. Okay, so there are seven new wonders of the modern world yeah name any two all right so seven to choose from
2: name two see i was going to i was going to do <laughs> i was going to do my homework and i thought it's i's got to be one of these and i just and i didn't do you know how hard it was to do this quiz actually No. this, was... this was a difficult one to do yeah <laughs>
3: um okay the source material while it may be uh, justified and ancient is just <laughs> <not> <laughs> that's my... a deep cut <laughs> is just uh, you know it's not that deep
0: does it also like to roam the land
3: <laughs> so question two there are seven new wonders of the modern world name any two oh, I can only
2: think of American things and.
0: well who do you think made the list David
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. question three
3: Name that eighth wonder of the world. What? WWF Professional Wrestler. <laughs> <laughs> and B, Giant Movie Monster. So that was two parts for that one. Sorry, I should have said that. Well, I don't understand the question. So name... Okay, these two things have the title of eighth wonder of the world. Okay. okay one of them is a WWF Professional Wrestler. Yeah. The other one is a giant movie monster. Can you name what
2: name them? What are they? So this is two different things. Two different things. Called yep. the Eighth Wonder.
3: Yep, that that uh, have held the title of Eighth Wonder of the world.
2: Ah, uh, one's a wrestler. And the other one's a giant movie monster. And one's a giant movie monster. All right, I think that's really down to name any wrestler that I know. Name any. Uh, no, it's monster. not, Jamie. I know Jamie'll know it. I know he will. <laughs>
3: There's only one. All right. How are you going oh. there, Jamie? Oh, I'm good. Good. Ready for question four?
0: Oh, always. Question four is my favorite.
3: All right. Which of the seven wonders has its own board game? Which of the seven wonders oh, has its question. own board game?
1: Yeah. And I
3: had to look deep to this to make sure the answer was correct. And I did find the answer was correct. At least in the limited amount of digging I did anyway.
2: Which of the ancient seven wonders? Yeah,
3: which of the... eight? Sorry, which of the ancient seven wonders has its own board game?
2: Yeah.
0: Mm. mm interesting.
2: Yeah, it is. I like... I'm, see, I'm intrigued in the answer to that one, Matt. Well, then you know what? You're going to like question five. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> So Question
3: well, five goes like this: Which computer game franchise has seen the tombs within the pyramid pyramid of Giza raided? Which computer game <laughs> franchise has seen the tombs within the pyramid of Giza
2: raided? Is that it? Is you trying to cheeky, You're trying to sneak a cheeky one by us, then aren't you? Always, always oh yeah. one. All right. Well, I'm done. I don't know how that adds up to one, two.
3: It roughly adds up. Three.
2: Four, five, six, seven. Oh, I see. Yeah. Yep. There you go. All right.
3: Not that the points ever matter. All right. We ready
2: for some answers? I oh, know. I think oh, in, in review, right. the, many of the last quizzes we haven't even tallied up and saw who no. won. We, yeah, it's all right.
3: We've left it to the imaginations of the listener. All right. Question one: Which of the following games does not fit? Shadows over Camelot, Mister Jack, Dice Town, Five Tribes. I am going to shoot to Jamie. What's your answer?
0: I said Mister Jack because all the others are for more than two players.
2: Okay, David. All right, I'd like to reference my earlier answer of "The Shadows of a Camelot" has got three words in its title, but I went with Dice Town originally because I thought that was the non-Bruce Cathala, a uh, Bruno Cathala game. But you've already negated that answer. But They're
0: all oh, Bruno Cathala games.
2: It is. I, I went with. I, I put Dice Town was my answer, but I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> no. And the answer is one of those boggling things. It's more like a trivia fact, really. So Hopefully, the it.
3: answer is Five Tribes because oh. it's the only one of those four games in which Bruno Cathala didn't collaborate with another designer. All right. I
0: thought about that. Yeah, yeah.
3: So he worked with, uh, yeah, at least another a designer on the other three. Five so tribes. Five tribes is the
2: answer. Five tribes is a fantastic game.
3: Absolutely. In, in retrospect, that was memorial. actually a horrible question. I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs>
2: Oh, Let's used, move on to question we're two. We're used to it now. Uh,
3: <laughs> no, I'm, I have moments, I think. Question two. There are seven new wonders of the modern world. Name any two. So name
2: two seven new seven wonders, David. All right. Um, now, I can remember looking at this in my boy's handbook <laughs> back in about <laughs> a long time ago. No, I think... Uh I, look, I think Empire State Building might be in there, but I think it might be something like the Chrysler Tower or something naff like that. that I'm not too sure about. I'm going to go with Empire State Building because it's a very handsome building and the Sydney Opera House. Okay, Jamie. I've got
0: the Taj Mahal. Oh. The, uh, the actual building, not the uh not the jazz player.
3: That's a very <laughs> and, uh, that's a very clever. Great wall
0: of China. Oh!
3: Do you want to know who's got the right answer?
0: Oh, but it's Jamie.
2: It's Jamie. Did I get any? Cl- Did I get close? No. Uh. no. the,
0: the ones of no. the modern world were made after the ancient world, but before the modern modern world. Yeah, so it's
2: uh. they're
3: post nineteen hundred stuff. What you mean like, post? They didn't build the well, Great no, Chinese they've... Wall of
2: China? No, sorry, pre. I meant pre. Oh, All right.
0: <laughs> um, pre and post. What was of I looking
2: at, my boys' handbook? Then they were lying to me. Yeah,
3: I'd be burning that one
2: no wonder they finished with books and invented the internet (laughs) question three so i've scored zero
3: so far name that eighth wonder of the world Uh, a wwf professional wrestler and b giant movie monster what have you got
2: david oh i went first last time and i don't know i don't know Senna's first
0: name (laughs) (laughs) all right well the wrestler who was in the Princess Bride that I quoted before, was Andre the Giant. Crap, that's what
3: I'm looking at. Yeah.
0: And the movie monster was uh, was King Kong. Okay. Which is confusing because Andre the Giant used to wrestle against a guy named King Kong.
3: <laughs> that's right, he did too.
2: <laughs> How'd well, you go there, David? I put Andre the Giant, then I scribbled it out and put Senna down because oh I thought God. everything's got... What's his first name? It's John, John. Cena. John Cena. Everything's John Cena, right? So I must get points for that. And uh, then I put Godzilla down. Okay, so you're still on zero. (laughs) I'm still on zero.
3: (laughs) It was indeed. Andre the Giant, sadly, who's passed on. on, And uh, yes, it is in fact King Kong.
2: Well, it's going to be... I don't think I can come back from here. It's like four zip,
3: Jamie. Question four. There's always hope. No, there's not. Of course, if you get this one wrong, there's no hope. Which of the Seven Wonders, Ancient Seven Wonders, has its own board game? I've got a one in seven chance
2: of Jag it, right? You have. What do you think? Hanging Gardens of Babylon. Love that game. What do you think, Jamie? I've got a game in my shelf called
3: Pyramid. Is it, in fact, called (laughs) Giza the Great Pyramid?
0: It is called Giza the Great Pyramid. That's not fair.
3: He's got... (laughs) (laughs) Five Zip! I'm not going to admit that I stacked it in your favor this time, Jamie.
0: All right. <laughs> question matter. five. It's,
2: I deserve this because, you know, I do the MTG card quiz and the flavor text every month and act like a smug prick and <laughs> never, oh, man, never have to answer. You
0: tortured them last time. What's that? You tortured them last time. <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh, well. Speaking of torture, let's end ours. Which computer game franchise has seen the tombs within the Pyramid of Giza raided? David, come on. Pac Man! <laughs> no lara croft tomb raider jamie do you concur
0: i, I agree
3: <laughs> yeah it's tomb raider number four the last revelation so yes. there you go you get a point
0: i got a point damn <laughs> Except, lara croft just wrecking archaeology for everyone
3: it was funny i was diving oh. through all the uh all the information on the tomb raider series and i was expecting to see that she had visited most of the ancient seven wonders, but then I realized that there's only one of them still standing and that's the Giza Pyramid. So yeah, it may, there's no way she's visited unless unless she's gone through time. But
2: Lara Croft making cosplaying even better than it
3: ever was <laughs> forever. And that was Matt's quiz.
2: Yay Neats and Two Neats and Two here we are with the uh, seven wonders, Jewel needs and twos. What have we got? Uh, you got some news for us out there in Hurstville, Jamie?
0: I have. We've got an excellent Easter sale happening. Easter over the, over the Easter long weekend. Yeah.
2: Uh, Chocolate it's be, eggs everywhere.
0: Fifteen uh, percent off store wide. Yeah. Plus some extra discounts on uh, on graphic novels, minis, stationery, all sorts of bits and pieces. Well, you but got- uh, bottom line is that. Uh, some some schmuck who's in charge of the ordering there, you know, yeah. overstocked a little bit, yeah. and uh, and we need to clear it out. So people want bargains. This is the, a good weekend for. Are it. you
2: doing graphic novels there, at Hurstville? I am. They're fantastic. fantastic. That's great. Man, so that's why you're uh, abreast of all of um, of all those comics we're talking about.
0: Oh man! Nice I, stuff. Ever since I was a kid, I've been reading comics, and it's just grown and grown and grown. Yeah. I need I need another room for bookshelves, you know. <laughs>
2: Man, it sounds like Hurstville's the one-stop shop for everything, man. you got comics, games, everything.
3: And, and I heard stationery.
0: Yeah, well, we've got all this cool superhero-licensed stuff. So I've got like little uh, Batman, Superman-licensed uh, diaries, and um, we've got a, a poster rack in, and yeah, all sorts of cool stuff.
2: Yeah, that's amazing. Oh,
0: go check it out. Yeah, What's your one-stop geek shop, man.
2: <laughs> Easter East sale at Hurstville. Get down to it. All right, uh, I'd like to give a shout out to Miles Shammer. I mean, it's a it's a comment that he's left on um, our Spice Walkers post from um, what date was that? About the eighteenth of March. Um, we we episode post... sixty
0: four.
2: Yeah, episode sixty four. As a result, we we did a Planeswalker Spice Girls lineup, and um, we we made mention in that podcast that we thought um, that Ginger Spice would make a great Chandra. Uh, to which Miles My- uh, responded with a picture of Ginger Spice in exactly the same post as Chander. It's uncanny. If you get back, you get onto facebook.com forward slash 7 land Hand and just have a look at that post and Miles' uh, po- uh, response to it. It's brilliant. I just can't, I just can't get over what a likeness <laughs> it is. You know, absolutely nailed it. So, Miles, we've got to we got to get you out a Hyper magic nerd badge. So, uh, get in touch, uh, podcast at sevenlandhand Send us your details, and uh, yeah, we'll mail one out to you. Good stuff. Yeah, it's quality stuff. I'm, I, you know, I'm, you,
0: need, you need to start warning people that those badges are actually like one meter in diameter.
2: <laughs> yeah, they don't fit in your letterbox, man. It, we would break. My, my
0: postman is never going to be the same.
2: Now we break him every. We break many postmen and women around the country. <laughs> you need a, we need one of them vans to get them delivered. The um, i just like to give a
3: shout-out to uh, the Invictus stream, who you might have noticed at the beginning of the podcast. Oh, we should
2: say that that was the Invictus it stream, because they, they didn't say it. <laughs>
3: no, I they said it when they said it, but then we put them up there. I guess that's our, that's on us. But uh, they've just wrapped up a, uh, this, a campaign of The Strange, and uh, they're about to dive into some D&D 5e. So, uh, yeah, shout-out to th- those guys. I'm pretty active there, and... and Likewise, they follow what we're doing, so thanks a lot.
2: You can catch up with Matt on, on uh, the Invictus stream. Yeah. All right.
0: Hey, you know what's wonderful? Seven
2: Wonders Jewel? <laughs> Seven Wonders Jewel, game of
0: the month at Good Games.
2: There yeah, you go. That's nothing more wonderful. All right, uh, and you can get 10% off that game uh, by going into your nearest store, anywhere in Australia, and giving their staff the password... on garde. garde! There you go. French accents... Might even yeah, get terrible. you ten point five percent off. I think, you never know. I think the going rate is eleven percent at Hurstville, isn't it, Jamie? It
0: Fif- is. Uh, this month we'll throw in a bonus snail.
2: Fifteen <laughs> percent off. It sounded like store wide.
0: Is that what That's not, is that Easter weekend for sure.
2: Yeah. <laughs> all right. So this lasts only for a month. So go now whilst the shelves are still sweaty with uh, well jewel goodness. You know, you jewel yeah. and shoot each other, and well, that's
0: You of know of- what? I hear money's in short supply. So how could you get this game if you didn't have even 90 or 89% of the money you needed.
3: I think you should probably make a comment on
2: the Facebook page. Oh, yeah.
0: Go, that might help.
2: Yeah, go make a comment, it, and then you can just get it for 100% savings, which is the one we're all aiming for. Um, so, yeah, just go to episode 65, which will be pinned to the top of our Facebook page at uh, facebook.com forward slash 7 hand, and you can win the game thanks to Good Games HQ. We love the witty posts. Keep that up, guys.
3: It gives us a bit of a chuckle, and you know everybody who jumps on can see what clever, clever people you
0: all are. But yeah, post th- seven things. Post one wonderful thing. We don't mind. That's it.
3: Yeah. You, you could even just say, 100% off game, sound good, me one. <laughs> yeah, and no. uh, even if that's too complicated, just uh, write, "woohoo," and I'm sure you'll, uh, you're will you in with a the chance. There's a you know cup... what?
0: This game, like, I, I paid money for this game. If I had been able to get this game for free, I would have been over the moon. It is so good.
2: Yeah, <laughs> this is legit. And And one person that did win... This month's winner is, oh, in fact... Blood
0: Bowl Team Manager.
2: Yeah, Blood Bowl Team Manager. Who is it, Jamie? It is Justin Kung. Hooray! Hooray! There you go, Justin. We'll get in touch and give your details. Well, we'll send uh, Good Games HQ details over to you. And, uh, yeah, I'll tell you how to claim your prize. But that's it. That's as easy as it is uh, for Blood Bowl Team Manager. Justin's going to pick himself up that game for nothing. If it sounds...
0: He's a huge winner. And do you know what he said? Do you know what his big comment was? What was his comment? Up. I'm up to play Blood
2: Bowl. <laughs> there you go. So you don't have to be witty. Witty, I, you know, we love the witty. But, uh, I'm sure
0: Justin's very witty in real life.
2: He is. He's very, very sharp. He can entertain a room for hours, I've heard. <laughs> if it sounds like it's simple, it, it's actually because it is simple. Yeah, exactly. Comment. Yeah. So, uh, and comment on any of the Facebook posts, like Miles Shammer did with his uh, excellent ginger ginger spice picture. And uh, yeah, we'd we'll, we'll love to read, a, read out your comment, get involved, any kind of banter back and forth, uh, opinions, uh, planeswalker, band names, yeah. that sort of stuff, anything. And uh, yeah, we we'll uh, You can get, get on there
0: and call me a smart ass or make fun of David for how bad he is at the quiz.
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we'll give you a Hypermagic magic nerd badge for that if we talk about it. And you can do it directly to us. Contact us at any of the links on sevenlandhand.com. Uh we're on Instagram, Twitter, and we're all of our names at sevenlandhand.com. So Matt, Jamie, David at sevenlandhand.com, you can get in touch. Or just if you can't remember us, just call us podcast at sevenlandhand.com. You'll find us. Hey, we've got a few board game
3: designers perusing the site these days, so who knows, they might read your comment and it might brighten their day, especially if you're talking about their game.
2: Well, there'll be a couple of uh, board game designers lined up for next month's game. Which is... Monstrous. Monstrous. We be... are
0: going to get Monstrous. can, can only... and
2: fun? Can only be re- written in capitals, really, and lots of exclamation marks.
0: Monstrous! Yeah. <laughs> so <we're gonna laughs> I'm so to excited at. to do this with you guys. Like, this is the first game that Good Games has published. Yeah. And uh, and Kim, who heads up publishing and works with me, is going to come and chat to us. We are going to smash out some games of Monstrous, which involves destroying cities by throwing monsters at them. Mm -hmm. So, you know... Yeah, it's like the anti seven wonders.
2: <laughs> yeah, we've built the seven wonders this month, we're going to smash them down next month. And hopefully, hey, maybe it might be a seven land hand on the road. Hopefully, it all will happen at the Hurstville store. And Matt will be the loser at the other end of the uh, on the iPad, <laughs> <That's> sounding, <it. laughs> sounding like he's from coming from a tin box. Yeah,
3: yeah, tin box, Matt. That's what they'll call me. Yeah.
2: All right, well, might that be about it? Should we play the uh, outro music? <laughs> All right, that was uh, Seven Wonders Jewel. Uh, very big thanks to Bruno Cathala for coming on board there. Uh, thanks, Bruno. Thank you very much, Bruno. That was fantastic. Um, it's um, it's just always it's always great to get insights into um, you know how these guys are uh, getting get engaged with these games and um, and how they produce these things that we end up getting fanatic about and spending our Many, 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 many hours. Design processes, thought yeah.
3: processes, all that sort of thing.
2: Uh, thanks very much, Matt, for coming down to the, to the pod here and sharing a, a fine ale with me. I, I don't know <laughs> if it's that fine. Had a Viking on the cover of the tin, yeah, so was that was right. It's called Axe. No, Fax. Fax, like a machine. Fakes, I don't Fakes. know. Wait, yeah. uh, and Jamie, all the way in Hurstville with his uh, Easter special coming up at Hurstville Good Games. Don't forget that. I just yeah, to share.
0: don't forget me. That that's good. I, I like it when people <laughs> don't do
2: that. <laughs> yeah, don't forget Jamie. And maybe I'll, I'll I'll see you next month in person. That'd be. I'm looking forward to it. That'd be very cool. Yeah, you, know, you got some. I wanted to share. Yeah, one
3: last little thing that's crossed my uh, my attention span, and that's that the next Crossroads game theme has been released. So the plate hat stuff, like yep, the play uh, hat, Colby Dolch,
2: Dead of Winter. Yep, that's Crossroads
3: it. game. It's uh But
2: not a zombie game no, now.
3: No set in space. And the, the, the storyline goes a little bit like this. So Sandra Bullock <laughs> Yeah go. I was gonna say uh explorers in a on a, a colonist on a spaceship where they're all in sleep uh, asleep and woken in, in uh teams by an AI. So the ship's run by an AI yeah. who periodically wakes up teams to conduct um, systems maintenance, all that sort of thing. So it's sort of like aliens, aliens without the alien at the moment. In a sense. Yeah. The only thing is, is after a long period of time, the AI has gone completely bonkers. How? Uh, yeah, like 2001. How, yeah, I guess. Yeah. And it's uh, waking up, deciding that it's going to wake up people and then mess with them. The only thing is the effects of long hypersleep. <laughs> My mother
2: used to do that to me when I was a teenager.
3: <laughs> really? Yeah. Maybe should would investigate that now? she just is wake up. I no, no,
2: me. let's not go there. Sorry.
3: Oh, we're in the outro, aren't we? Yeah. yeah. Snappy. That's what we need. Snap. Go. And uh, periodically people get woken up and the effects of long hypersleep is madness. So expect uh, lots of backstabbing, betrayal uh, and uh, messing with your... Uh, friends, but in a completely collaborative, cooperative way.
2: Except for the collaboration, exactly like my teenage years back at mum and dad's house.
3: <laughs> I think we're just going to leave it there. Enough yeah. said.
0: I uh, have yeah, way too much already. <laughs>
3: <laughs> too much sharing.
2: All right, everyone. Good
3: night. Good night.
0: Bye.